Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who was always at my side, Ho Sway. I can actually comfortably say this now because I have officially closed by myself. I work at a comic book store! <laughs> Yay! And at one of the best ones, too, at Books with Pictures. Uh, shout out to them. Thank you so much for the opportunity, or for having the, this opportunity. It's literally one of like the highlights of my week is getting to go to that store. And the fact that they thought of me to be part of the crew has just been, it's just been so really overwhelming. It's like, and then the fact that it's fucking pride month and it's like, again, of all fucking stores, uh, books of pictures. So it just, it's, it's again, a really overwhelming feeling. I, I wanted like a part, at least a, a part-time job at a comic book store, but then getting in the game and then realizing how hard it is to even work at one. Just getting having like the no getting in the know of them all. So it finally it finally happened. And again, at the best one. And so uh it's really cool. Uh I love getting on the inside of all that. Yeah. I mean that's the dream, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, so we are here to talk about comic books, but at first we always talk about our comic book news, and we have some things to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Uh let's talk about trailers. Let's just start there. <laughs> um first off, let's talk about Paper Girls. Ooh, uh, yes. We did get a teaser of the, uh, was it, it's Prime, yeah, Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. Amazon's adaptation of Brian K. Vaughn's masterpiece, Paper Girls. Uh, very, very brief. Um, there was also some stills released. I don't know if you saw the stills. I did not. Okay, I'll shoot those to you real quick so you can just look over them. Uh, you can see a lot more of like them actually in the show, not just the promo kind of thing. Um, but yeah, me and Hosway pretty much agree the casting looks on point. Yeah, about oh my as god! As can get. Just the first picture alone. Okay, yeah. this, is, this is great. That's this them. Like that's Mac. That's that's all of them. Yeah. That's Aaron. That's so good. <laughs> KJ. Yes. The shot of the four of them on the bike is the one that got me. Mm-hmm. With her flipping the bird, I'm like, yeah, no, that's it. That's that's gonna be great. So, uh, obviously, we enjoyed the the teaser, right? <sighs> Alyssa Wong is gonna be okay. It's kind of spoiler, but Alyssa Wong's oh, gonna be. Old Aaron, older Aaron, oh, we're going there. Yes, <laughs> right, yeah, dude. I, 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 I'm just very excited. I think it's going to be really cool. So, um, next up, let's talk about Black Adam. Oh, okay. Oh man, um, I liked the trailer. Mm-hmm. I think it looks good. I, I mean, I liked it from gonna, a teaser. I think it's going to be a test of Dwayne the Rock Johnson's power as as an actor or not as an actor but as a personality in that dc's not been doing great yeah can he through sheer force of will (laughs) bring it up you know what i mean and yeah i think he could i I think if anyone can he can i think if you look at the aquaman movie jason momoa is you know in many ways comparable to the rock but with way less star power I'm not sure. saying he's less charismatic. I think he's actually more charismatic. Yeah, but but you know he doesn't have the the tenure, the the movies. He doesn't have the movies behind him yet. Oh, for sure, following um, for sure. But so if he, I think if anyone could do it, he could. Um, I I tweeted about this and I thought it was very funny, which is I don't I couldn't find it again, but some some reputable news source was like with the introduction of Black Adam. Uh, DC finally has, or the DCEU finally has a hero who's not afraid to kill. And I'm like, what? 
like it was the worst take I've ever heard in my life. I'm like <laughs> Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all killed in the Snyder Cut. First of all, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, second of all, the Suicide Squad are all killers. <laughs> like, Doom Patrol. Like what? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, didn't Superman getting- let, let like a submarine just sink or explode? He he actually killed Black Man's dad. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we'll add all commanded list. The only one he didn't was Flash. And to be honest, Ezra Miller is doing enough shit like that on his own. So <laughs> He's doing it themselves. That's good. <laughs> Did you see my, my, my actual tweet about the one that was revealed last night? Uh, I think so. I just put just one week. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, Jesus, Ezra. God. Some people were cheering for you. Not me. But some people were cheering for you. <laughs> so, um. But yeah, I think Black Adam looks cool. I think it looks really dope. Yeah, I, um, I, I like I, I like Mars's take where it's like, yeah, it's, it's Black Adam, but with this, Jay Sag would have been cool too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that's the thing I was most stoked about. I was like, dude, Doctor Fate. Well, I mean, like from the, from the initial teaser, like those first shots, yeah. even like the uh, Adam just like running that, that short sprint that we got, but Fate looking really dope. I'm excited for them. Like <laughs> Hawkman, he looks so good. Hawkman looks sick. I love that actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like him and his brother, so I don't know if it's Aldis or El- or the other one. Yeah, they're, they're twins. Okay, uh, so they look very similar. One one was in Leverage, one was in um, The Purge. That's how I always remember. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, um, but I really like both of them. I think they're really good actors. So I think uh, he's. I think they're going to be incredible. I hope this does really well and the JSA gets their own movie series and they just stop making Justice League movies because they're be fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> I like to watch the world burn. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that looks really cool. I'm very excited about that. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Hussway, can you think of any other trailers that came out? Um, not trailers, but there was a release that came out. Well, uh, that was a tease. Sandman. Oh yeah. <laughs> you literally uh-huh. just watched it. <laughs> um, the Sandman trailer came out. Oh man. It looks beautiful. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. The special effects look incredible. When he when he goes back to the dreaming, the the bridge lifting, like as like oh my god, like we're there, like it's possible, like yeah. <laughs> the impossible does seem possible with this title, and the dreaming uh, all falling apart. And, like, yes, being degraded like, was cool. Um, there was I, there was oh, panels, there was pages of the first issue in that trailer where it just made me really excited. Where it's like I would love it when like there's like a of a. Uh, uh, faithful adaptation but when you're just like yo i'm in the pages i'm watching the pages unfold mm-hmm. literally so that's what that's what gets me really excited for the show i like the casting of lucian i think she's going to be amazing oh yes um i like the delivery of the line we did get to hear i'm like mm, that's good mm-hmm. um we get a little little glimpse at dr d just very very brief glimpse at dr d uh-huh. uh so that's good because you can't it's hard to show a lot of dr d because it's not a lot of his scenes are suitable for a trailer. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause he's basically naked for a good chunk. And then <laughs> there's a lot of death going on. I love Jenna Coleman as Joanna Constantine. I am here for that. Yes. Shit. I'm so excited for her. Yeah. And I'm very, I was the thing I was most worried about was the casting of dream. And I'm not anymore. I'm <laughs> here. Let's do it. He, he's got, he's got the good, the good emo face, the good, the good sad face, but I, I'm really excited for him. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. That's gonna. That's the one I was most hyped for. Yeah, of the trailers released this week. So, um, but yeah, what were you talking about with the release? Oh, um, Miss Marvel. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. Uh, Liz wants to hold off. 
for I live with Liz <laughs> uh, to get a couple episodes. She doesn't like weekly watching. She would rather stream or rather binge. Oh, okay. I mean, I know I'm going to watch it without her. <laughs> it's a good long. It's, I mean, but this one, like from all the shows, I think this might be like the longest start. It's a good 50 minute episode. So if you want to get like a good feel for it, I think it's actually probably like the best intro. I'm also trying to finish Boba Fett. Ah, uh, and I also have the Orville to watch. <laughs> I, I have a lot to watch, so it's it's kind of like I, it's important, but it's not the the most important. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, it is um, good though. Um, I, I definitely did enjoy it. Speaking of comic book movies, we got news today that Marvel has tapped Jake Schreier to direct the Thunderbolts film. Oh yeah. And apparently it will be, uh, it's reported to be, begin filming in 2023. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, there's teases of who might be involved. And we have our, yeah, we've, we've seen who the potential candidates could be. That One of the ones perish. that we've been hearing a lot about is the Abomination. Nice. Because he did reappear in Shang Chi, and he's, he's working with be, Wong. It, it seems like he, it seems like he's uh, Jennifer's uh, client in uh, She Hulk. Yeah, so why not bring him back? I mean, why yeah. bring him back if you're not going to do something with him? Right, so. I fucking love Eli Roth. Um, I I really liked uh, the the villain from uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, the girl. I would love her. She wasn't a villain. I, you know what I mean? The antagonist. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That Obviously, it's a political story, so you can't use villain as a straight rule. But you know what I mean? So I think she would be amazing. Yeah, she'd be great. Because uh, obviously, she's not going to be just a straight up hero. Right. No, she's definitely a powerhouse. And so they're going to want to... They're going to... W- I would personally immediately sign her down and do something with her. Cause she was oh, her. she's awesome. I, I love her. Yeah. Uh, other ones... Um, I would love to see Batrock come back and be a little more over the top would be fun. Yeah. I, Batrock um, is a classic. I would, I would like him to come back. I'm trying to think of any others that I would, that I think would actually do it. I mean, just um, because it's like, we're in the Thunderbolts. Like, oh God, that Taskmaster needs uh, some love too. I like that Taskmaster. Uh, but, straight up. Really? Yeah. I mean, but it's like, but it's, but you want Taskmaster though. Uh, the other one that I kind of, I liked and I would like to see more of is a uh, ghost because like for <laughs> comic book wise and Thunderbolts, I love ghost. Like he is such a shit, but the one, the one that we got from Ant-Man and the Wasp, I feel like she also just needs some development. Cause also that was a really cool character. Sympathetic character, understandable motives, mm-hmm. definitely a reason to be involved. It could be like, yeah, we'll give you your treatments, but you got to work for the government. There's, right. there's like a hook there already built in. Yeah. I agree. 100%. Um, yeah, I think I think it would be very interesting. I also think it would be really interesting, and th- follow me on this, because a lot of times the Thunderbolts are actually led by a hero. Yeah. But usually a hero that kind of can fit in with the villains. The team, yeah. What if Yelena isn't going to join the Avengers? She's going to lead the Thunderbolts. Ooh, there, instead of part of the team. Yeah, she's not going to be Young Avengers, you know? I'd yeah, like, yeah, no. That, but she leads the Thunderbolts instead as Black Widow. That'd um, be dope. Or White Widow in this case, so mm-hmm. that'd be dope. So just just the thought, so. But yeah, enough about TV shows and stuff. Uh, let's talk about some comics. Wait, uh, there's yeah. some sweet news, though. Sweet news that we ha- I have to talk about. Okay. Berserk is coming back. Oh, yes. 
Berserk. Uh, so the Berserk mark. is coming back despite the loss of the creator of the the, the story. Kentaro Miura. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel? Obviously, it's conflicting because it's like, oh, it's not from the word of God, you know, but what they've stated, how they're working about it is at the very least, like, there should be little to no complaint about it. Like, Kentaro only really spoke about, at the very least, about the ending and obviously the, the details in between to one person that was like his friend, uh, Mori is, is his last name. Um, and obviously there's like, um, the people he who he had working under him, like touching up like like the, his anchors and stuff. Um, so they're running off of his notes, the notes that he left behind. They're not they're not fleshing out anything, anything that they that they think or the, anything that would be remotely touching into fanfic away from the notes. They're not doing that. They're just going from what he from what more is told and from what is being writ- what what was written down. So that's comforting. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, but are there some details? For me personally, it's just like, please don't sleep on my girl, Luca. Like, just like, my, Luca was just like one of my favorite characters. And she's like on the C-list tier of like importance of like shit that they do. Like, she's not a fighter or anything, but she's still, but she is important. So I'm hoping she's, she's at least like has like a good something and part of the notes because it could, it could easily be one of those where it's like Kintara would be like, oh yeah, and I know how to write Luca. So I know how to go from here when she, when he would get to her scenes and, and then there's nothing down for her. So, uh, so that, that's where I'm also like, how many notes, how much of the notes are there detailed? You know, like they're not rough drafts. Like they're just that they're just notes. So it's, it seems at the very least, like the most detailed also like the, what I want is like the next six chapters are like, I guess like the most Kentaro that we'll get after the six chapter, after the next six chapters, it'll be the start of the new arc that they're going to running off of those notes. But yeah, at the very least, like these next six chapters will be the most Kentaro that we'll get, which is at where I'm happy. Because if we would have gone on the re- the rest of our lives where we left off, that would have been fucked up. <laughs> after everything, after 300 plus chapters, and that was the last page that we got with no answers. Uh, at the very least, we'll get some resolution to the follow up to that because that oh god no that 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 would have been too messed up <laughs> so yeah. berserk's coming back nice and i did jump the gun a little bit i did have one more bit of uh movie news mm. there's currently a petition that has been launched that you can go online and sign to return morbius to the theaters for a third time <laughs> yes let's fucking go let's get more <laughs> up yo <laughs> let's see how many times this movie can flop uh, let's see how many times we can trick Sony into releasing this movie. Please, please, <laughs> let's fucking go. Yes. <laughs> I am 100% here for it. I actually kind of wanted to go see it when it came back. I was like, <laughs> I mean, it would be an experience. I know no one else will be there, so I have the place to myself. So, but yes, okay. Um, kind of transition over to comics, but one of the big things is, apparently, it seems like Marvel Studios is going to skip San Diego Comic-Con this year. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of been happening lately because Marvel's like, they have D23. They have the Disney mm-hmm. Expo. So they're kind of like, why would we Why would we give you all the all the highlights when we could just keep it in-house? And I'm like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. So, but yeah, it seems like it's not official, but it has been rumored uh, that they'll skip, which is interesting with, um, we still have um, Love and Thunder and Black Panther coming out this year. Yeah. And then also, like, next year, we have three movies. 
you know, like, so it's five movies, like, that's a lot, plus She-Hulk and stuff, but yeah, I guess if they skip it, that'll be a really interesting statement, you know what I mean, so... Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So uh also on the news, guess what? Marvel did a crossover with Fortnite. <laughs> and it and, and if you worked at a comic book store, I apologize for what you had to go through this Wednesday. Um but yeah, um you get a free Spider Man costume if you buy the comic. So <laughs> it's gonna be one of the best selling comics of all time. And I hate life because that's gonna be on a list now. Best selling comic book of all time, Marvel Fortnite crossover number one. That's good. It's it passed X Men number one by Jim Lee. You're like I'll be fucking furious. Oh God, no! Like it'll happen. I'm calling it. It'll be like, and there'll be kids that'll be like, "Yeah, my first comic was X Men Fort or Marvel Fortnite. It was really good." <laughs> and I'll, I'll be like, "I'm gonna kill that kid." So, yeah, thanks Fortnite. You've ruined another medium of mine. Not just <laughs> fucking video games and not just music because you started doing those shit ass concerts in the game now you've moved <laughs> on to comic books would you like to invade pro wrestling next maybe what Don't else do i love pro- international soccer would you like to like partner with real madrid or something like it would be a fucking john cena skin fucking with the God. scar <laughs> God, i hate it so much anyways uh moving on from that shitty story uh so uh, we are getting a new book from Marvel called The Winter Soldier Cold Front. Mm. It's actually, um, it looks really cool. And it, I Marvel doesn't have like a black label. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but yeah. I, I kind of get an impression this might be a little bit more than Marvel's normally does. So like, I just they used to have Max, but like, they really don't do that anymore. Yeah. Marvel Nice is a thing, but that was like PG-13. Now this says novel, but it has an artist listed. So I don't know if it's just the the cover artist, um, or or, if is or like if a, there's gonna be interior art or something like interior, that. Interior like single page arts, you know, like yeah, maybe. But I think it's really cool. It's like the origin of the Winter Soldier, um, and I, I love the cover. He's very romance love or lead. It is. <laughs> yeah, very Fabio. It's very hot. So I'm I'm probably gonna get that because I, cool. I love Bucky. He's one of my favorites. So. Uh, and then two other things. Uh, these are both uh, just art-based things, but I just love it. First of all, because you and I both love it, um, there is a alternate cover for Robin number 15 that deals with the aftermath of Shadow War. And mm-hmm. it's a 1 in 25. Oh, shit. But I'm going to hunt it down. And you'll see why if you look at that picture. Oh, um, no, really? <laughs> yeah. For those who can't see our screen, um, it is Flatline giving Damien a little smooch while Batman looks on disapprovingly. <laughs> and and is, her dad. Or, or no, the, not her dad. It's the the dude that t- trained her. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. I love it, actually. It's fantastic. So It's so cute. Um, yeah, they're just adorable. They're just so fucking cute, so... Um, and then the other one is, this is actually fan art and we never talk about fan art on here, but I had to share this with you because I was fucking excited. Two of the coolest alternate versions of characters meeting up Spider-Man 2099 and Batman beyond. I did see this. The colors matching the, the, the perfect, oh, it's just perfect. Like, I love it. I would read that comic when they're from. Oh, totally. I totally read that shit too. Yeah. 
and and it's, they would fit really well together. Like I think that would be actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And my last bit of actual news. Um, at, coming out of Shadow War, we do know there is new a Batman Incorporated. And we now know that the team is actually going to be more than the people we saw in Shadow War. Because there were only like four members in Shadow War. Mm-hmm. Um, with Ghostmaker leading the way. Which um, Ghostmaker is still going to be the leader in this case. Uh, however, we do have some confirmation of new members. Uh, we kind of talked about this last week, but we have specific confirmations now. Uh, Man of Bats, which... I made my peace with, I guess. Uh, Raven Red, uh, the Batman of Japan, the Batman of China, which has Ivan Batman. Hmm. Knight, who I really like. Knight is the the British version, and his Robin is called Squire. They're great. Um, Dark Ranger, El Gaucho, <laughs> Night Runner, Wingman, which Wingman was Jason Todd. Oh. But I'm guessing it's not Jason Todd anymore. And then finally, Clown Hunter, who I love. So uh, pretty big group. And it does feel more like the original Batman Inc., which, you know, had a a world spanning like group that worked together. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, uh, let's just say my interest is peaked. Uh, we'll see. So, um, but yeah, that is my news. I cannot think of anything else. Uh, that I have in front of me. Oh, sweet. Do you have anything? uh, I just want to talk about Berserk. Had to. Yeah, of course. So, (laughs) all right. Oh, well, yeah, no, it's not news. We'll talk about it later. Okay. (laughs) Let's jump into our comic books. Uh, As always, we normally start with a boom, but we don't have any boom books this week. Uh, There were two boom books I picked up. I picked up Orcs um, from Christine Larson. And I picked up the Dune book, but those are both for Liz because I haven't read Dune and I don't want to spoil myself with a comic book. Yeah. And I just haven't had a chance to read Orcs, which I want to because I really liked the first run. Um, but so I don't, have, I don't have a review, unfortunately. So we will move straight on from the boom to the Aftershock. And I got two books from Aftershock this week. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I should point out before I get started, Josue, mm-hmm. we, have, we are setting, we are... Um, Making history this week. Oh, yeah? In our show. We have more number ones this week than we've ever had in any episode ever. Really? Yes. That makes sense. Which is It's also weird because it's also one of our lighter weeks that we've kind of purchased. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. So we're going to jump into it. I'm going to start off not with a number one, but with a number two. Dogs of London. Um this one took a really cool twist. I'm really enjoying it. So, uh, written by Pierre Milligan, art by Artesita, nice. colored by Valentina Bianconi, and letter by Rob Steen. Uh, it's the one that looks like they're dog people, but they're not. <laughs> but they're actually. not, yeah. And the Aftershock page. Ooh. That nice white. Because they're colorblind. Or they're dogs. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Um, so, in the other, in the first issue, it was really late, late, lays into like gang warfare between young, between youths. And it kind of flashes forward, and there's a little bit of a supernatural edge right at the end of the last issue. This one goes full on to the supernatural, or not supernatural, but like something's going on. Yeah. Like you discover the boys were all in juvie together, and a scientist was doing experiments on them. They volunteered to get more food, and then one of them died, and the guy disappeared. And it's kind of like, well, what happened, you know? And you f- it keeps flashing back to what's going, what was going on. And in the last issue, the guys they killed when they were younger, they buried them. 
Well, someone found their bodies, and they're perfectly preserved, and they're the same age they were when they died. Oh, shit. They didn't age or, or anything at all. So they're trying to cover up what happened. They burn the morgue down to the ground, and then the last thing we see is... Ooh. Yeah, so really cool climactic last page. I'm not going to reveal. You guys check it out. It's It's been a really cool, dramatic, and like mysterious thing going on. I'm really excited to see where it goes. So... But that brings us to our first number one of the week, Astronaut Down. Uh, this is cool as shit. Yeah. The concept is great. Written by James Patrick, art by Rubin, colored by Valentina Brisky, and lettered by Carlos Mengual. Um, look at that. Oh, that's nice. Ooh, that's cool. It's good purple. Yeah. Fuchsia. So, um, this is set in the future. Mm-hmm. And if I had to compare it to anything, I hate comparing books directly, but if I had to compare it to anything, it would be, um, oh my God, uh, the one we were reading where they went to the alternate universe, the time is different. Valera? No, um, with the, the aliens <laughs> in the water, submarine. Oh, um, yeah, Deep Beyond. Yeah, Deep Beyond. Yeah, thank you. I was like, brain. Um, I'd compare it to that, but not for any specific thematic reason or anything like that. Sure. It's just, it is kind of a post-apocalyptic world, and it's really brutal at times. Uh, so you got you open up with this this astronaut who's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's do this, right? But the very next page, you get this shot. <sighs> I like that. Okay. Yeah, like the imagery, I'm like, oh, this is all sway book. <laughs> so... And you get these really great, like, you know, interviews with these people who want to be an astronaut. And they keep talking about astronauts are needed. Astronauts are needed. And they talk about what the way the world is now. And you see, finally, they say something like, the barriers can't hold much longer. And we see this shot of the city. And you can see all around it, there's just growth. Mm -hmm. There's something going on. There's basically cancerous growth all over the planet killing everything oh. and the only thing keeping it back are the walls like they have to keep the walls up but whatever the astronauts are supposed to do are going to save humanity and if they basically whatever they do they, they're going to sacrifice themselves to do it is the idea so all these people volunteering know they're going to die but they might save humanity so it's a really interesting angle about it and the main guy you're following, he keeps flashing throughout the entire book to a mysterious woman. They ask him something like, did you lose somebody? He says, yes. But they keep flashing to this woman and you never see her full face where um, like this dude's like, this dude's a douchey preacher. And he's just like, you, blah, blah, blah. there's like a whole religious sect. That's like, we're supposed to we're supposed to die. Just lay there and die. And they're all like, you idiots. Um, but then they keep coming to this mysterious woman. You can see her there, just her lips. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh, I did it again. I overcooked the chicken." And he keeps hearing, he keeps hearing her say, "I overcooked the chicken" throughout the entire thing. And he's like, "Chicken's overcooked again." She keeps popping up random times, and that's alleged, apparently the person she lost. And then he goes through the machine. Something happens. He wakes up and he's sitting across the table from her. Ooh! And she's like, "Oh, I did it again, didn't I? I overcooked the chicken." And that's for oh. it. Yeah, and you and me love some info pages. Oh, ooh, some files, all kinds of shit, dude. Ace so, <laughs> yeah, so I recommend this. It's really, really good. I actually really th- fucking liked it. One of my favorite like aftershock number ones in a while. So, 
But yeah, that is the end of my Aftershock list. Next up, we're going to talk about IDW very briefly. Uh, I got one book from IDW, and it's, I think it's the only book I'm currently getting from IDW since they lost the Star Wars license, but I'm going to have to pick up some new ones soon, which is The Rocketeer. Uh, of course, she's on the cover. Love it. Nice, yeah. Um, so The Rocketeer, story and art by Stephen Mooney, colors by Lynn O'Grady, letters by Sean Lee. Um, he's still doing the plane, tr- plane uh, journey thing, and uh, there's this whole jealousy thing with he meets another woman, a woman pilot. And he's kind of like feeling flirty with her, but Betty obviously isn't happy about it. And so Betty flirts with the German a little bit and he doesn't like that now, does he? You know, like and there's this <laughs> whole thing going on. Well, his plane runs out of gas, his, runs out of fuel over the, over the Atlantic Ocean. And in one of the most ridiculous things ever, the, the female pilot actually flies above him and says she has a reserve fuel tank underneath and he has to fly along the same speed with her and run a fuel line from his plane oh, to her. <laughs> yeah, in midair, which is really sick. So she ends up saving him. And um, they get to Paris. He's like taking a shower. There's a knock at the door. And the female pilot's there. And she's like, hey, I didn't mean to catch you like this. And I'm like, oh, no. Don't <laughs> cheat on Betty, you son of a bitch. They go downstairs. They're hanging out. And um, they're just talking. It's really funny. Like, she's... um trying to find the exact line. Uh, she takes him up to his room because he gets in a fist fight. And then he, she like falls on him and he goes, listen, you're a swell girl, but I got to put the brakes on. She goes, huh? And he goes, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, I ain't willing to risk what I have with Betty. And she's like, she starts laughing and he's like, what's up? She's like, let's just say you ain't my type. And I can <laughs> see why you're nuts about Betty. Betty. She's gorgeous. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, Oh, <laughs> like, <and> so, <laughs> so that's great. Um, and of course the Germans get involved at some point. He does have to put the rocketeer gear back on, which I was so happy to see because nice. it's so iconic and cool looking. I like the suit. I always like like the, the, the jacket. It's such a dope jacket with the, with the helmet. Yeah. It's such a throwback. I love it. So, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, it's still going. It's not the last issue. So we'll see from there where we go next up. Uh, we're going to Oni press and Oni press Rick and Morty infinity hour. Number three, I'll be very brief with this because there's only one issue left. Uh, written by Magdalene Visaggio, art by Mark Ellerby, uh, color by Leonardo Ito, and letter by Crank and Mark Ellerby. Um, it's continuing that kind of Star Wars rebellion theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great moment where um, Rick has to build a suit of armor for for the little gloopy character. Yeah. And literally, he's he basically has someone punch the ground, has the poodle dude punch the ground. And he literally makes a suit of armor from just the metal he finds. And no one explains how. It's just like, yeah, I just made it. And he makes a point of it. Just like someone goes, I don't understand. He goes, I made power armor out of the floor. Now we're escaping. It's not complicated. <laughs> and it's great. And this is what the armor looks like. Oh, okay. So, so Gloody fights the bad guy and holds him off while they escape. And he dies. And so they, they, get, to the, they get to the planet where the, the rebellion is based. And it's, uh, it's the Squanch planet, of course. And so all of them are squanching, and it's great. And um, they're like, he died a hero of the rebellion. And so, yeah, that's basically where it ends. We're going into another issue next week, or next month. I'm very excited. It's fun. So I'm going to have to get Liz to read it, because she really liked the last ones. So now, we're going to kick it to Josue. Josue, talk to me about a publisher we've never talked about on this show before. And that is Ahoy Comics. 
Ahoy, Justice Warriors number one. <laughs> Ahoy Comics with uh, the next number, number one, Justice Warriors. <laughs> Two number ones so far, people. Keep count. Yeah. Uh, this one, so this one's really cool. Uh, co-written slash lettering by my, uh, Matt Bors. Uh, co-written slash artist by Ben Clarkson. And the colorist is Felipe Sobriero. And yeah, we already covered the letters. Uh, so I got this book because it was recommended to me by my now boss, Katie. And she, uh, and it was because she thought it was a really funny book. Last time I got a recommendation from Katie because she thought it was a really funny book was Scaring Hood. And that did not disappoint. So neither did Justice Warriors. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it. It is so fucking funny. Uh, so think fucking um, Bright, the Netflix movie. But it's, it's, right. instead of uh, instead of focusing on just uh, Will Smith, where it should have been focusing on Edgerton, um, it's literally about another uh, another duo cops uh, around like a same magical world. We follow, like it opens up with uh, like the regular guy with an eye patch. He looks like kind of like Nick Fury, and his partner Swamp, and he like he looks like this. He kind of looks like literally the Abomination. He's got like <laughs> like the fins for like the ears. Um, so they're they get a report. They go to the grocery store because there's these people who are possessed by they have like starfishes on their head on, on their faces or around their faces, and they're going. <laughs> Sounds familiar. They're, they're, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, 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 everything, a lot of this just sounds familiar. They're organized and being possessed, and they're out buying, hoarding, hoard buy, buying baby formula. And they're there to disperse or to, to not have them do that. And it becomes a shit show. It, it starts becoming a, a shootout to where you start finding how the characters are. Like the human uh, partner with the eye patch. You, you, see, you see this guy, the, this flower person. Mm-hmm. And then he literally leans over. He's like, "I'm coming. De- I'm commandeering you for official police business." And he uses him as a human shield. He's a piece of <laughs> shit. He's such a piece of shit. Uh, Swamp is all right. Um, they get they they get all the bad guys. They they rip the starfish off of one of the of one of the people, and still goes. You're under arrest for allowing your body to be used in a heist of the propriety health formula. So again, this cop is a piece of shit. And while he's making, while he's gloating and making his case, he gets run over by a bus, and his partner Swamp is it's right in front of him, so he's kind of like in shock. So we have a whole like the whole new segment. There's a segment where you can see a, like a very distinguished piece of shit with a bow tie from a very conservative yeah. channel. Yeah, makes his case there. It's goddamn it, the references. Um, so Swamp needs a new partner. He's kind of like, oh, I'm kind of running. We're gonna run a solo. He's like, you can't. You need a partner. Here's Cadet Shit, as in like like Shit's Creek shit. Only it's literally a piece of shit. It's like a, like a swirly piece of poop for a head. <laughs> oh, <God>. As a cop, <laughs> and he's hilarious. He's a, he's again. He's just he's just a rookie. Um, we get part of the plot where um, it cuts to like, why isn't my album selling? And it's basically the mayor of the town is like the biggest pop star, but. Um, his album isn't selling, but because because inflation and taxes are ridiculous in the city. Also, it's like it's a it's a bubble city. Everything in the bubble is perfect and clean. Everything outside it, where all the cops are, is really shitty. So everything sucks in the city, and that's why people aren't spending money. So they make up a fucking piece. Of, a rat shows up, <laughs> and he gives them this idea to kind of run this like circle scheme, where it's like. If they buy the albums, they can then like sell 
like resell them for like a profit, but it's only the, but then that currency is like a pseudo currency specifically to only be used for like their type of merchandise. So it becomes like a whole, like it, it's, it just becomes like a, uh, a scam. And that, that, that'll, that'll be like the, the, the back plot anyway. So now since everybody wants these fucking records, um, swamp and shit, um, are at one of the record stores and then shit kind of fi- figures out that swamp is kind of running like, a bribe scheme with this guy uh, as far as like for protection. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so he goes, um, Whoa, is that a bribe? It's like, shit, there's two ways to retire in the city, fund your own pension or get locked up for life. And we don't lock up cops. <laughs> so shit's the fan. People are like, we're not waiting anymore. They burst in. Um, like they're, they're breaking the, the glass, the glass to get in the store. And then swamp sees the bus that ran over his partner and he starts freaking out. He literally passes out <laughs> and then shit goes swap, swap. Don't leave me. How do I register for a pension? <laughs> it's like the kind of silly shit that I'm just going to be all up about. And now it's going to be shit by himself holding on the store. Well, I guess uh, the owners uh, has a, um, has a baseball bat, but these people are ravenous for these uh, scam records. And I'm all about this book. It's silly. It's stupid, but I love this world already. <laughs> <laughs> nice well going from one publisher we don't talk about to another publisher we've never talked about and i'm very excited to talk about action labs and the ballad of ronin nice oh, i actually really cool. saw this coming out about two weeks ago and it ended up not coming out that week so i got to pick mm. up this week um written by john walsh and jim walsh uh, art by remy jackson colors by valentina pucci and letter by becca carey um this is so cool. <laughs> like it's a modern Irish fairy tale. It is basically the way to put Ooh, it. Okay. Um, and the art is really nice. Uh, I love the main character. She's, she's an orphan and she's kind of a badass. Um, she just aged out of the, out of the system. So she never got adopted. Um, she goes and gets a tattoo, which hasn't been revealed yet. We'll see what it is. Um, and she's trying to find out basically what's up with her family, who her family is. And it's like this mystery thing. But at the beginning, you can see there's a story about that's set back in the day of a man and his wife who dies in childbirth and the baby is very weak. And he basically prays to the spirits to please like help his son survive basically. And so these spirits show up and the art is just amazing. Like, look at, look at these, just their little figures. Mm-hmm. That's and then, really like, cute. You can get more like a picture of them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They show up and swap the babies. They go take him, the little baby, and take him to take care of him and give him an el- like a, a fairy baby. So, But that cuts away and then we go to the modern stuff and we don't check in with that again. So this is really good. There's some really great emotional moments. And it, part of it's dealing with like the shit that kids have to deal with at orphanages sometime and how bad it is but not in a really over the head type of way where it makes you, you know, they get beaten, you know, that's not what they're doing. It's just like, she's leaving and she's like the lady in charge of the orphanage says going somewhere. Then she's like, Oh, I'm just see the priest. And the lady says going to confession. I hope she goes, what's in the bag. She's like, Oh my sin. She's like, well, you're going to need a bigger bag. Like just being really shitty to them, yeah. you know, like just bringing them down. And it deals with the fact that she watches all these other kids get adopted, but not her. 
And it's just like it's just really interesting. I loved this book. This is one hundred percent a Liz book, so uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on my pull list because we don't get a ton of ton of Action Lab issues at my store. Yeah. So I'll make sure they order it for me. But very highly recommend if you like stuff like The Last Witch or like um, Folklords or even Wind. It's what I would compare it to. Nice. So yeah, a lot of fun. All right. Well, that takes us to another publisher. Ho Sway, talk to me about Dark Horse Comics and Jenny Zero Two Two. Oh, by the yes. way, that was our third number one. Keep oh, the other one. Nice. Yeah, just keep track. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Jenny Zero Number Two. Jenny uh, Zero Two Issue Number Two. Uh, volume Two is called Supersized. Uh, written by David Duanch and Brockton McKenney. Illustrated by Magenta King. Color art by Arnaldo uh, Robles. And letters by Dave Duanch. So again, for the sequel, we're kind of, we we're still telling the split story. Uh, we're telling we're telling her dad's origin story, which I'll, I guess I'll, I'll I'll start there. Um, and it was yeah, back then it was where we left off with his story and him and his and his best friend. They were there for like the detonation of uh, where like the spire kind of detonated, and he's now just waking up on the hospital. Um, to now like the. Lieutenant Fujimoto, who then becomes now his new best friend, is there to kind of greet him as soon as he wakes up. And yeah, her dad tells him, like, yeah, uh, it's coming back to me, but I remember everything. After the flash, like, we were all disoriented. I look around, and then everybody's heads start popping. Like, the, the ones that couldn't take it, everybody's just starting starts popping. And it's, it's a pretty gruesome panel. And so, his, like, her dad starts looking for uh, Sammy, like, the, the his best friend. And he's like mutated, like like half of his body is just mutated. And he's like, Kenji, like, I don't feel so good. And and then he pops too. So apparently, you know, like, so only Kenji, the dad, obviously, because how we know that he is, um, he was Commander Zero. Um, so he's okay. And so he's kind of going to go through some training as he heals up. Um, once he's better, um, him and Fujimoto go out for drinks and they kind of, they're, they're going to get jumped by like this game. They're just like being like, yo, we like it quiet here. And you guys are being, making too much noise basically. And they start jumping him. And then he finally henchens. Like he, he, grow, he grows big. It's basically more like Ultraman. Um, but they just like crash through the building and just like, and there's, they just run away. Now back to the present with Jenny, where we left off was they were out for burgers. And then she, like her, her and her girlfriend were out for burgers and then they get jumped or they get crashed by the fucking, by the, the the animated big boy statue, <laughs> very awesome powers. Um, and then so there's some aliens, or so they're they're part of a kaiju death cult, and they're they're basically they're they're trying to jump Jenny now, uh, but she steps it outside, or she finishes her beer, and then she steps it outside, and then she henches out and she fucking like gets one on one with the robot. It's a robot, she just rips the head off. Um, she rips the head off and then puts it on and starts mocking it, and then gets sucker punched by the bee headed robot <laughs> from behind. So. Because the takes the fight seriously, but also the de- the the death cult people are also kind of like ganging up on her, like throwing their own spells at her. But the girlfriend delivers uh, delivers to the guy the good old of uh the way Jenny puts it a pussy punt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so yeah, everybody. Uh, she does she does a screech. They're able to get away. Um, they come back to headquarters, and yeah, now the lieutenant like yeah, or the director here is kind of like. It's kind of like, yo, she, yeah, you're up and stay here. We're all going to work together. And Jenny's like, yo, I'll work on one condition. Ever since I, since, since I found this out from the last uh, book, bring me my uncle, Fujimoto. Like, he's like, yo, like, I, I'm not doing this yet unless, like, you actually give me 
something that I want. And I need a friend. I need my uncle here. So, and it was almost like she was reluctant to, but like she does it anyway. Cause they're also like no Jenny zero. Um, so yeah, then the, the uncle does show up. He shows up with uh, the fish, the fish that kind of attaches to Jenny's arm, like mutates into her arm and then uses it, uses it as a, as a blaster. So like, that's fucking cool. I guess to come back. Um, and then the cliffhanger is that we find out that the director is part of the Kaiju death cult. Of course. Yeah. Awesome. And then you had another Dark Horse book, uh, yes. The Ward, number one, fourth number one. Number one. This one, uh, The Ward, written by Kevin Scott, art by Andres Ponce, uh, lettering by Mauro Mantella, and, and it's a cover art by yeah, Andres Ponce and Franco Riesco. So this one is also very much like, not, not so much like, like <laughs> I read these two together with this one and Justice Warriors, because this one does have a fantasy touch to it in in the mundane world though, instead of being out in the open, it's more secret. So this one opens up with, um, she's a doctor too, but I'm trying to find her name. Uh, our protagonist is showing up to her apartment and, uh, Miss Reeves. I'll get her first name in a second. Um, a tenant, uh, a neighbor of, of hers. He's, he finds, uh, an incapacitated, uh, woman on the hallway in front of her door. And she's literally stabbed on the side. And she's like, yo, um, fucking help, <laughs> you know? And Miss Reeves um, uh, picks up Val, Valmira, and she's just, she's trying to make this guy go away, but he's not, because obviously he's also worried about the other, like his neighbor that's like just about to die. Um, but then because she's, uh, well, first of all, they don't know this, because like it's, it's insinuated that her neighbors know that she has a different profession, but then she starts getting all medical, and and because yeah because he's kind of like yo how do you know all this but he's like and she's just like yo shut up let me just work for a second and she figures out fuck i gotta make the call yeah call an ambulance though it's a special ambulance it's a special ambulance to a special hospital this hospital a lot of cool magical a lot of cool fantasy stuff um because he's there and and helping at least like uh, applying the pressure on the wound uh, this guy has to get in the in the ambulance and let's like follow, follow them in, and it becomes a whole. It's basically a fantasy ER. <laughs> it's this whole like like it, this, this whole call it episode. It's uh like it's called her. Um, no, Lydia. No, fuck. I'm trying to get her fucking name right. Uh, but Miss Reeves or Doctor Reeves at this point. Um, she, the whole time she's trying to figure out how. Um, because yeah, the, she's she was stabbed. But not by a knife. It was a little thicker than that. Um, but even even if it was a clean wound or like they're they're closing it, she's still like not responding. Like there's something like it seems like there's something still lodged in there. And yeah, again, it's it's it's, it's an ER room. Like it's everything's fucking crazy. A minotaur shows up and like his, like one of his <laughs> horns is fucking missing. Um, and he's just like not dealing with like the the doctor as well. Like, he's like pushing him away. Obviously, he's in pain. He just wants to go away. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to figure this shit out, trying to figure out, like, not mystery, but trying to figure out this case on how to make at least, like, her neighbor better. And then, But then you start figuring out that it's, like, there's drama around. Like, there's a reason why Reeves left this hospital. There's a, a ghost doctor, like, the director of the hospital is, is basically a ghost. He don't, like, she doesn't have any eyes. Uh, but there might be, there might have been some history there. Like, like there's a reason why, the, between them two, there's a reason why Reeves, Reeves left this hospital for a more for a more regular life. Um, so there's definitely some trauma, which I like, but then she figures, figures it out. That's like, Oh shit, this, that the, the two people that, that we just saw that, that were admitting here 
are related. It was like there there was a fight, and obviously this mentor is like uh, is one of the uh, is a bad guy, and he got an altercation with um Valmira, which is where the stab wound came in. It was one of it was one of his horns, and like a little piece of iron got like left like inside of her. But she was such a badass that like from the adrenaline, she was on she was on that broke the fucking horn off of him and to like to kind of like hurt him back. Um, so yeah, like, so, and the, and the whole time, like the, the guy, the regular guy, like the neighbor, he was freaking out, but he obviously he needed to adapt and just be a little more accepting. Um, but, and I, but at the end he was kind of like, yeah, no, like you're basically your secret safe with me. But the whole, one of the reasons why they were kind of waiting to really treat Valmira was because she, she's basically the, one of the, she might be a staff member, a staff member uh, in the hospital, but she's basically one of the one of the fantasy characters that makes for the random occasion that it happens to um, erase uh, regular people's uh, memories from everything everything that they just saw. So he doesn't get to remember, which is kind of sad because it seemed like he was a good he was like an okay guy. Um, but yeah, it seems like our Doctor Reeves is gonna is gonna be staying here for is is gonna be a. It's gonna be working at the hospital again at, at the ward. I, I really liked it. It's like a little secret, like a little secret uh, world. That's cool. I remember seeing the ward, and I wasn't sure if it was like what the context of the word ward would be, like oh, okay. hospital ward or like a ward is in you know someone that you know you train. You know what I mean? I was kind of curious. So flip, flip through it next time. I think you'd like it. Yeah, nice. Next up, we're going to talk about another indie studio. We are full of them today, and our what is it fifth? Fifth would, number one? Would be, yeah. Potions Inc. number one from Mad Cave. Um, this one is written by Eric Burnham, art by Stellaria, color by Natasha Altarici, and flats by Ian Tags with lettering by Micah Myers. So this is what it looks like. It's set in a world. It's actually a, a dad telling his daughter's story about a magical world and in this world magic is incredibly common everybody has magic of some sort and it's about a young boy who doesn't really seem to know what his magic is and he's kind of like borderline worthless and his family runs a potion empire or a potion store i should say and not empire that's stretching it and they're just trying to help him find what's his and he thinks he's not meant to run the store he has twin siblings one of them is you know like really good at making potions. The other's pretty decent up front of the store, but the dad wants him to help out to keep them under control. And he's just trying his best to like do his thing basically. And it's so much fun. Uh, I, the art is just very enjoyable. Um, and it's another one I'm going to make Liz read. Cause I think she'll really like it. Um, but it's also got some really cool monsters and stuff. I, I, I really dug it. Um, and I get, I would compare it to the same books that the last one was. I, would, I don't want to repeat myself, but yeah, if you like folklords, especially I'd say folklords, mm-hmm. it's a lot like folklords um, thematically and just, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And also at the end, they have an entry from their potion family recipe book, which in this case is uh, a drink called the summer summoning potion. And it's got guava juice, mango juice, pineapple juice, lime juice, seltzer, sugar, and mint sprigs and i'm like yes that sounds delicious so a lot of fun i really really enjoyed this book once again this cover very very much worth your pickup next up we are going to open the vault and we have one book from vault this week 
one I've been I couldn't wait for. Um, so it's Quest Aside number two. Now, before we jump in, I'm going to tell my story. It was the only book I couldn't find at my comic <laughs> book store on my list, and they had sold out. I went to um, oh no, I was I was on my lunch break. And I was like, I got to pick up these comics. I don't have time to go to a second store. So I called my backup store, Greg's, and said, hey, do you have a copy of Quest Aside? And he said, no, we're sold out. And I'm like, crap. So I got home. Um, I finished working. I decided to go to Greg's anyway, see if there's anything else I missed. And in the meantime, I was like, I'll go to downtown Phoenix Samurai because they're open till eight now on Wednesdays. Hmm, and nice. they had one copy. Lucky. And so I was able to grab it. So, yeah. With that being said, written by Brian Shermer, art by Elena Gagao, uh, colors Rebecca Nolte, and letter by Anne World Design. This is the one about the inn that is, <laughs> you know, the center of all this adventuring world and stuff with this amazing cast of characters who even got got even better in this issue. Yeah. Especially, the, I mean, the chef. He's <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> like, yeah, I love it. And we get to find out a little bit more about the background, about the adventuring party that the owner was once in. Uh, little details about each character in in the inn and what they do and like who they are and what they want. We also get an amazing Adventures Anonymous meeting full of some of the best little like <laughs> story bits that I absolutely loved. Um, it, I love the big burly dude. That's what I, I that, when I got to that part, I was like, "Fuck!" I really hope he does find it because this scene is just gold. <laughs> yeah, like the. I cannot please my wife without yelling have at thee. <laughs> like just amazing. But I really like this book and I love the idea of telling the story of the inn in the fantasy stories. You yes. know what I mean? Like that's a great idea. And a lot can happen there. And I just love it. I love the mystery behind it. I love the I love the innkeeper. He's just a really cool character. Oh, totally. Every, everyone who's a actual member of the tavern, I really mm-hmm. enjoy already. So very highly, highly recommended. Um, we don't get too many vault funny books. You know what I mean? Like straight funnies. Right, right. Um, there's there's humor in all their books, but other than like Money Shot. Money Shot Barbaric, but it's like... But that's an action. I mean, that yeah. just happens to be funny. This is a comedy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I, I really, really like it. When they do comedy, they do it really well. They should probably oh, do for it sure. So, what do you think? Um, I mean, that, that's, what I, that's what I like about it. It's like the, the story about the adventure that stays in the inn. Because I, I love how it opens. So it's just like, the, I need four strong men. It's like, like the guy like rounding him up. And it happens. And then he leaves like this way. Destiny awaits. And it's like, that's where the story should go. We should follow this way. Yep. But it stays. And then it follows up by the other one, like the 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 um the one with the cliffhanger dude, where it's like we should be following him or or that crazy story, but it's cool, it's cool that we do get to come back to him. But it's like again, we just end up staying here, and I love it because it's not just like like are getting meta with it. It's just like like this is like my pit stop to comics, like this is like my my palate cleanser to everything I just read, and it's just like I, I love it. I feel like I'm, I am part of the tavern when I get to here. Yeah. Yeah, I really like it. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yet another one I'm going to make Liz read. Cause yeah, I would love her opinion on this one. Yeah, so. Awesome. But that's all we got out of the vault this week. So next up, we're going to talk about image comic books. Um, we actually have five books. I have three. Josue has two. We do not share a single image book despite having five. So we're going to do what we do with image sometimes, and we are going to alternate. I'm going to start with a book I'm not going to actually review. 
I'm just going to quickly talk about it because it's important to me. And that book is our sixth number one. Nice. Cyberforce number one. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is a reprint. Uh, it's the tw- 30th anniversary criminative edition. Cyberforce, a lot of people really like Youngblood when Image started. I liked mm-hmm. Cyberforce. I thought Cyberforce was much cooler, to be honest. Um, and I was really excited to see it back. Um, I did like Ripclaw. It's just so cool. Like, look at him. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just so dope. And I just loved the team. I thought they were a really cool team. It's obviously 90s edge to the extreme. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but I still love it. And just, I read back through it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is really fucking good. And my favorite is Velocity. Uh, this character. Oh. I adore her. And so I had to get this cover, which <laughs> is a new variant cover. Nice. And she's got like the almost the Bowie makeup. Yeah. And this was a special cover I had to pay a pretty decent price for, but I had to get it. So, um, but yeah, if you've never read Cyberforce, if you're in your comic book store and you happen to see, oh, they reprinted Cyberforce number one, give it a shot. It's actually really good. For early image, it's one of my favorites. Um, it might be my favorite, actually. I'd have to think about it. Um, definitely better than anything Rob Layfield did. Anyways, so next up, Postway, we're tagging to you. Time before time number 13. Oof, okay, time before time number 13. This is cool. Uh, so this one's written by Roy McConville, McConville uh, artist by uh, Ron Salas, colors by Chris O'Halloran, lettering by Hassan Osanamino Olau. Wait, where's Declan Shelby? I mean, is that why? So this book has, this issue has nothing to do with uh, uh, Lydia and Tetsuo, like the little two protagonists that we've been following. Tetsuo and, Na- and Nadia. Yeah. This issue is about... This guy who lives, no, not there, because then he goes back. This guy who lives in 2488, but he reports to 2542, because it opens up with the, it, because in the book opens up in 1872. Just follow me here. <laughs> um, it opens up with uh, this guy who literally goes to pick up this guy who is from the future. In- instead of, this guy got sent to the way, way past. That's almost like a punishment. But I'm, but because it's such a like easy lifestyle from what he's used to in the future, what he knows of, he he it's almost like he knows he ha- how much better he has it here. So he starts he starts bribing this new guy, being like, "Yo, just give me just give me ten more years. Just like just leave me ten more years here. Um, it wouldn't cost you anything. All you have to do is just show up five minutes from now, technically, and <laughs> and it'll be and you'll be fine. Uh, but no, the job's a job. He takes him back to. I'm pretty sure he's a piece of shit. Um, uh, he, he he served a sentence, so yeah, like I said, he goes back to twenty five forty two, reports it in, goes back to twenty four eighty eight to be with his kids. Uh, he picks him up from his grandma. Uh, we kind of find out that it's, it's not an easy lifestyle. Like he's he's also a struggling dad. Um, there's like there's apartments that have like self self playing ads, so they can kind of start helping paying for rent. It's kind of like oh shit. It's, kind of weird future uh but then he gets like the yo like so he's kind of like yo i want out so fucking bad what's your highest paying job uh to his boss and he's like we have that but you have to you have to do like the one thing you don't like to do you have to work with with a team so we get introduced with the team it almost becomes like a little heist job and the job is 
go find these two. Go find Tatsuo and Nadia. And but it's but it's not that simple because like what their what their intelligence knows. It's kind of what we know is that they that uh, Tetsuo and Nadia stole a particular type of time machine, so they can get the coordinates. So, like they are cloaked. Uh, the job job part A is to go infiltrate the facility, like the makers of that time of the time machine, so that they can get like so they can get the codes for where that time machine did land, and then they can start looking for them. So. So then they have to go more far back to uh, 23, 2365 to where that facility is. And it kind of becomes like one of those, like a high job that goes wrong. Certain people don't make it out or one person isn't making it out. The cliffhanger is they kind of, they got caught. So it's a, it's, it's a cool different side story. It's like, I'm obviously they're going to meet up with Tatsu and Nadia, but it's kind of like, fuck, you just make me like this dude so hard and he's either going to die or he has to fail because I have to root for Nadia and Tatsuo, right? But I really like this guy. Or maybe he just joins a team because like every, every every arc has has been adding a new character. Started with Tatsuo, then Nadia, then we introduced a robot. Maybe he'll join the team. So so we'll see. It, it, was, it was a cool start for the new arc. Nice. That brings me to my next one, which is Twig, number two. Uh, I'm, I almost started picking it up. It's so good. Written by Scotty Young, drawn by Kyle Strom, colored by John Francois Bellot, and lettered logo and series designed by Nate Picos of Blambot. Yeah, it's just continuing this journey that Twig is on. And uh, Twig discovered the person, the oracle who's supposed to tell him his journey is dead. So he has to try to figure out himself you have a pretty fun moment where he's trying to work the machine that the Oracle uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, he has to go meet this dude Ooh. who Ooh. Uh, can help him repair a magical item that will give him his, his origin and stuff or his uh, mission. And it's really, really cool. Um, in the long, in the end he's told basically here is a guide to three items and how to use them to breathe life into the last gym, which is his magic item. And the last page he's reading, he's like, oh, amazing. Thank you so much. He's like, wait, is this last location correct? And it's so dramatic. The, the dude goes, oh, yes, it is. You will find the final element on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so I really like this book. It's so much fun. The art is just, it, just his design is so adorable. He's just so cute. So, um, yeah, uh, highly recommend. It's it, it definitely gives me some um, some vibes of jim henson like some of the Mm -hmm. some of the really cool jim henson stuff um like you're more edgy jim henson like a labyrinth or like a fraggle rock weird not so much dark crystal um it's more kid like visually kid friendly than dark crystal Mm dark crystal is pretty disturbing you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah so but i really like it i I think it's really cool it's a lot of fun so let's that texas blood number 14 (laughs) oh man I, I really like the series. Uh, that, Texas, that Texas Blood by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. Uh, again, that's how the credits are. <laughs> Our color assistant, uh, Pitt Martin. So, a new story arc. And we take it to January 5th, 1992. And alone in her house, you just hear the, the, the dialogue. A census taker tried to take the testament for me once. I ate his liver with some fava beans. And she's watching the lines of the lines like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> and then it gets creepy because she's, she's bundled up. 
she pauses it and turns up the thermostat. You can see her breath. You can see like the breath, uh, like her breath. And he's like, I don't get it. And turns it up. Like she, that's like past 80. And it's like nothing. There's like a word, like, like she, she realized like the door is open. It's so like, Oh, well fucking a right. And then you get this shot from behind her. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then he, then she closes the door. Uh, she kind of goes back to watching the TV and then she sees the reflection of him. And then you start seeing him more and he is just, it's such a good mask. Like, okay, this page. Cause like the cat looks over. Oh yeah. That's and it, just, as fuck. it just shushes it. <laughs> so obviously she doesn't make it out. Uh, it's, it's just, it's really bad. It is. It's, 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 there's a, not only a cool scene, but it's like, there's definitely like influences from, obviously there's a silent science of lambs playing, but there's like a whole like scream vibe, like like for the intro, like with the home, home invasion. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, it cuts to, uh, it's still 92. We're 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 still setting. We're gonna tell a story in 1992. There's no there's no recollection of a story like it, like it was in the last arc. I think we're just here for now. And it's Lou, the the receptionist for the sheriff station. She's she wakes up, kind of goes around town, and then you see uh, flyers for vote bench. Or vote for sheriff. Uh, basically, vote for a new sheriff, and she kind of gets out of the cars, like um, shame, starts shaming on people, and she gets back to the station. And J- Sheriff Joe, like our our main guy, um, he kind of fell asleep at the station, and he's watching this tape, and it's a tape where it looks like Joe, a couple years ago, or like, yeah, it, is, it doesn't seem like that long, and it. it his hand is at his waist where his gun is at. And then in front of him, it was his old boss, the old, the old sheriff. And he's clutching. He's, he's clutching over, hunching over. And there's a lot of blood in his chest. Like as if he just got shot. So it's like, it's, it's just very alluded. It's like, did he accidentally friendly fire at his boss? And that's why, and that's, and now the town wants to like, um, vote him out of not, of not being the sheriff. Um, just because of like, there's also there's also there's also like being said that, that he didn't take action for something, but then it's kind of like I, I still can't piece together why that would also then then entail of like then his boss getting shot. Uh, but anyway, um, she's trying she's trying to comfort him like yo just to get out get out of your funk like maybe just go out there and be a cop for now. Um, and then there's a call like I want I want another uh, another deputy another sheriff shows up or the assistant sheriff shows up. And then uh, a call ring. Uh, there's a there's a ring, and then Lou uh, answers the phone, and she starts crying, just getting distraught, like like not understanding what's going on. Sends the boys out to the house, uh, telling them that uh, that Patty Doyle uh, was found dead. The girl at the beginning of the issue, and they're just kind of like yeah, like they're trying to make sense of it on the way there because it's I guess Patty Doyle had just come back into town, like she was she she left again. It's like a very small town. She had left for like the city. I think she had just came back for like like the holidays. I think she was meant to go back, and I, I, I guess. Um, and now she's dead. And I'm pretty sure it was her, her dad who found her. Um, he's not going to go back inside because he can't look at her again. And yeah, they find her body, and dude, how you fucking left her. Oh my god. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Uh, so new mystery, and 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 then back at the station, Lou gets another call, and. It's a scene that it is the guy because it's like that, like the heavy breathing, like the creepy heavy breathing in between words, 
and he just starts saying, uh, like, oh, she looks pretty, doesn't she? And he's like, don't worry, I'm watching, like, I'm always watching. And she's kind of like, and, she, and she's still doing her job. It's like trying to get statements, like, what's your name? Can you answer, answer my questions? What's your name? Who, like, who are you? And he's like, you know what they call me? Off with your head. And then outside the window, it's like a, a, dren- a drenched in blood um, che- uh, queen chess piece. And, and, she, and she just starts freaking out. So... It's a start of a new mystery, a start of a new murder case in this little Texas town, and I really like that Texas blood. Nice. And bring us to a close on Image is our seventh number one. Oh, shit. After School by Skybound Presents. Nice. Um, this is going to be a four-issue mini, from what I understand, mm. but each one is its own episode. They have nothing to do with each other. Oh, okay. So this one is called Spineless. Mm-hmm. And oh, this is so up your alley. I can't wait to talk to you about it. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, yeah four standalone comics, four different stories. And by the way, four different creative teams. Nice. And each ones are about kids. After, basically after school. Yeah. More, like the big thing, morals have eroded. The kids are out of control. Uh, one simple truth. The good die young. The bad die better. So. All right. This one. Written by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Art by Greg Hinkle. Colors by Giovanna Nero. And letter by Pat Brousseau. Uh, you probably know Giovanna Nero from Two Moons. Ooh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, it's about this young girl who was never really good at anything. This is her trying to dissect a frog and her hand's like shaking, right? <laughs> she's never been good at anything. We get to see what the frog looks like when she's done. Oh, God. She's butchered the thing, right? Everybody makes fun of her. She has no confidence. And then her parents decide, we wanted to do something to help. And they got her a dog. Now, you might notice, and that's why I mentioned the colors specifically. Mm-hmm. So, you got the dog right there, right? Yeah. Notice how the dog isn't quite as sharp as everybody else? Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a little, like, almost semi-transparent, right? That's not really ever addressed. But basically, from the moment we locked eyes, we were inseparable. She has the dog. They get along really well. And she discovers that having the dog around actually makes her more confident. And we get shots of the dog doing that (laughs) a lot. Yeah. So she gets more and more confident. So she's able to dissect a frog properly. She gets really good at soccer, even though she was never good at it before, all this stuff, right? And we keep seeing these really ominous shots of the dog. Like, that's its eyes. And then this happens. Okay, so you get that shot, right? The dog is making the I'm coughing something up look, right? Mm-hmm. And it's eyes. And then this this happens. What? I'll give you a zoom in. What the fuck? Okay. What? <laughs> yes, right? This thing comes out. Next day, dog's perfectly fine. Hanging out with her. Chilling. Um, we also discovered that she likes she likes this girl who also has a dog who has a big Great Dane, mm-hmm. big ass Great Dane. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, she hears a sound downstairs. She runs downstairs, goes into the kitchen, and sees the dog sitting on its hind legs smoking a cigarette. What the fuck? It says shit. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you discover that it is an alien. Mm. and 
it's trying to build a machine to get back to its home world. And around the, around the neighborhood, there have been animals dying pretty violently. And you find out that it needs parts of the animals to make the ship. So it shows a shot of it like ripping a cat apart. Oh, my God. And it's like, hey, I need this. Help me. And she's like, Can, will I stay confident if you leave? He's like, I will leave you your confidence if you help me. And one of the things he says is like about the alien race he's a part of, um, or she's a part of, sorry, at their queen, because the dog is a woman, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that the other aliens, they peek through at their queen, but they never come to take me home because they're afraid of my rain, what my reign will bring. So that's kind of like an, an ominous moment. Yeah. So basically, the dog, um, the dog builds the machine, and this is it's fucked up. It's not quite done, but look at this. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, like it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, <laughs> and this is what their home looks like, by the way. Ooh. Yeah, it's creepy as fuck. And so basically, um, you you find out the last part they need is a big spine undamaged. And then who's there with them? But the Great Day. Oh, no. And she's like, no, no, I don't want to do it. And then a guy shows up who tries to save them. And then he's like, they stop him. And he's like, I'm just the janitor. He's like, don't take my bones and all this stuff, right? And the, the the dog is like, hey, I need this. One way or the other, I'm getting a spine. And so she's like, I have a spine for you. So she breaks into the morgue and using her newbound confidence is able to carve out a perfect spine out of a dead body. Oh, shit. Okay. He puts it in the machine. Or she puts it in the machine and takes off. And the dog stays behind. The dog actually becomes a dog. Oh, okay. And she names it Confidence. Aw. And the the crazy monster leaves. Um, and she's given her speech at her high school graduation because she's the valedictorian. She's like, you know, um, you know, I thought of living life, you know, believing in yourself, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, there's a big sound behind her. And it's like an invasion. Yeah, because they feared what her reign would bring. Oh, God. And that's where it cuts off. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so... The next one just has this shot of a pregnant girl on a swing. Oh. And it's written by Kate Heron, who did Loki. The show. The show. Yeah. And uh, with art by Layla Lays. Mm Mm-hmm. And Giovanna and Pat both come back for coloring and lettering. So Nice. Very cool. Very cool idea. Yeah, that's a good Um, one. So it's almost like Silver Coin. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be an anthology with a similar theme. So I like that. So. All right, now we're going to talk about the big two. And you guys ready for this? Number one, number eight. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to start with DC Comics and Aquaman Andromeda, number one. Fuck yeah. Uh, Written by Rom V. Art by Christian Ward. Letters by DT Abitakar. It's fucking awesome. (laughs) It's really good. it's, It's such a great adaptation of an Aquaman story into this idea of a horror story. It's got all the, it's got a lot of the highlights that mean host. We really like from horror, uh, specifically 
it's pretty easy to say a specific creator of ours that we really like that did a very great underwater horror story. And I kept flashing back to the entire time we read it. Um, it's very good. It's very cool. It's got a cool cast of characters. It's got a lot of little touches. Like there's a crew of humans that is very much like a deep blue sea kind of feel, you know, like, you know, like here's our cast kind of mm-hmm. thing. I think the coolest thing this book does is doesn't show us Aquaman barely shows barely. Us yeah. And I think that's cool. It keeps him mysterious and it adds a little bit to the dread. We see clear shots of Manta, black Manta than we do of Arthur. Yeah. So there's like, we get the idea there's a monster and then we get the idea there's someone that maybe is fighting the monster, but because we never see the thing fighting the monster very much, how much can we trust it? You know what I mean? Like if you don't see it, if you're not shown it, it's still mysterious. It's still not trustworthy. And I think that added a lot to the dread. Um, but as I said, Rich Duick, I, I mean, I kind of alluded at his stuff, yeah. but I, I know you're a huge fan. Um, I definitely got some vibes of that deep sea horror creepiness that I know you absolutely loved from him. So what did you think of the first edition of this black label? It was just, it's really good. It's like, it's like I'm just like enthralled by it. Like, okay, so, so skipping forward to like when like the, the big monster shows up and you see like the tentacle, mm-hmm. like the scale of it. And you turn the page and it's just like, it starts splitting it. Like it starts splitting the ship and you're like, and you turn the page and you see this hologram or like this, like this uh, echo um, hologram of the full thing. And you can only imagine how much bigger it is. And then later on, you do get to, you see a much clearer shot of it. But that this little part where they're where they're looking at the scan of it, it's like that. That's the one like where it really sunk into me, and just like fuck, like the depths are just so fucking scary. Um, so I'm really excited to have like someone like Arthur, like someone like Aquaman, to hold my hand in these depths because like no other person, no other hero could actually make me feel safer. And how's Black Manta going to play into it? I know. I'm really curious on how I, what, what he's going to be doing. Yeah, really cool, really good, creepy dread. I loved it. So, I'm also curious on what is in that egg or what fell, you know, from, from space. Also, that, yeah, exactly. So, all right, number one, number nine, number nine, number one. There we go. Poison Ivy, number one. Uh, so, this, I've been waiting for this since Ivy left Harley because I knew they were going to tell a story. I'm not one of those reactionary people that are like, they broke them up. DC sucks. No, most, most companies make decisions for reasons, you know? Um, so I think the reason is so we can get this story, which I think is really cool. So written by G Willow Wilson, art by Marcio Takara, colors by Reef Prianto and letter by Hassan Atsmane. And how this is fucking cool. Um, I was kind of amazed. This wasn't a black label book just from how grim it is. Um, I love, I, I, I got to give a quick shout out, first of all, of how Marcio draws Ivy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, just that shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, super appealing. Love it. Uh, but not in a freaking weird way. It's just like, oh, it looks great. Um, basically, it's Ivy touring the country and wrecking shit by infecting it with spores and turning it into mushrooms and stuff. And she has a plan. And it's a really grim plan. And it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. The best part is after stopping some douchebags from trying to assault her outside of a bar and they start tripping on the mushrooms, we start, we get an art change. Yes. And we get this. Oh my God. And dude. that. Yes. And I'm like, Oh my God. This, that's when I was like, this is a companion to swamp thing. 
Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She 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 borderline looks like a, a planeswalker. Yeah, right. I really dug it. Um, that's a partnership they should do. DC should partner with Magic and have Magic do planeswalkers for the DC heroes. That'd be, that'd be hella dope. That'd be cool. Just throwing that out there, DC. Um, but yeah, and she's just continuing her journey. And yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes because I don't want to get too much into the specific details, but there's a self-destructiveness to this. Yeah. That is going to be very interesting. So what do you think? Uh, no, I really liked it. And you're right, where this feels like, a, like where it's like it, it almost should have been a Black Label book. But I like that it's okay to, for DC to have these darker tone books and be canon. Uh, it was like the same thing, same thing with what I felt with uh, Arkham City, the Order of the World. Like that should have been a Black Label book. But no, that was strictly meant to be part canon, which is a, a fantastic book. So this one, and and this one was really good too. And I like that it does also address like her and Harley breaking up, having a scene of during the breakup. And it's like, instead of just like letting, like you said, like letting it play out, like, or this is just DC wanting to break them up. Like, no, they address it. And like, maybe we can, maybe we can come back from this. Uh, maybe not. It's, it's a mini and there's definitely a destination. Uh, there's an ending here. Uh, so we'll see, but I, I like that they included that scene between her and Harley. Yeah, me too. Which brings us to our 10th number one of the week, Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number one. Um, coming out of Trial of the Amazons, I think this is already going in a great direction, is what mm-hmm. I'll say. So, um, oh boy, here we go. Uh, <laughs> the creative team, I didn't look at this before. Oh, yeah. Stephanie Williams writing. Oh, okay. I thought that was just a list. Okay, th- I see it now. Stephanie Williams writing, Lethia Martinez penciling, Mark Morales, John Livesay, and Lethia Martinez inking. Alex Gamaris, uh, coloring, Becca Carey, lettering. Do you guys have a copy? Just look at it. I thought that was literally just a list of names the entire <laughs> way down. I was like, oh, God. So uh, this kind of just takes up of where, you know, Nubi and the Amazons left off. And I really actually like this. I think I already like this more than the Nubi and the Amazons series, which I liked. Mm-hmm. But I like them out in the world. I like the inclusion of one of my favorite underrated Justice League members, Hot Girl, yes. as a prominent character. That was really cool. Um, I like the potential of where they're going. I like that they're addressing real world issues. Like there's a lot of really great stuff in this. Um, I will also say that the only thing I didn't like about this book is not the book's fault. It's the fact that I hate when things are out of order in comics Uh and we get the, this is before justice league died. And I'm like, can't you just wait to publish the Justice League's death until after everything happens? You know, like, because it just tells me these are clearly not permanent deaths when you do it like this. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, well, we can't be bothered. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, but I really, um, I really liked it. And I love this cover, by the way. I hated that cover. Why? Because it's like, how do you get Nubia and not make her thick as fuck, Jay? Okay, she is way thin. I will give you that. She's too thin. Uh, but I, I mean, honestly, I was looking at the face. That face is. Yeah, crazy. yeah, So. Yeah, I will give you that though. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, what do you think? Um, I know it's it's a good story. I, I do like this this next mini continuing trial of the Amazons. Um, yeah, the the fact that they get to go to the to the Justice League uh, or and just like and kick it there and yeah, and the Hawk Girl being yo, can I join your team for a second? I'm kind of bored over here. And new and I love that Nubio just being like, nah, we're full. It's like yeah, no, like fucking step up. Like that that'd be hella cool. And I re- I really hope she d- she does get to play out like for the rest of the mini like there's only there's, it's a four issue mini so please why wouldn't you want a hot girl around around here yeah 
And fucking Nubia still, I, I'm, I'm really hoping, I'm really loving uh, that she's still using the that uh, that whip spear that she got mm-hmm. that, that she got mm-hmm. that she got crafted. It's a really, oh, yeah. it's a really cool weapon. And, and also, yeah. she, and also, like the the fact that it, it got a power up when they were sparring, it, it made that hole. Like it, it threw a a beam and it made that hole. Yeah, there's definitely something going on there. I think it's mm-hmm. really cool. So. All right, now guess what, guys? Another number one, our eleventh number one. I told you it's a record. I didn't even have to check because I know this never happened before. Yeah, uh, Multiversity Teen Justice number one, written by Ivan Cohen and Danny Lore. Love you, Danny. Uh, art by Marco Ophelia or Fela. Uh, colors by Enrique Erin and Giannini, and letter by Carlos Mangual. I really like this. I, the one thing I want to say just real quick is I thought this was going to tie into into, into um, Dark Crisis. Oh, okay. So when it didn't, I'm like, oh, okay, this is just a fun story. So uh, as soon as I g- adjusted to that, I liked it a lot. Okay. Um, but I was kind of waiting for I was kind of waiting for the Dark Crisis moment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it didn't happen, but it's cool. I like this. It, it's very fun. Um, also, if you don't know any of these characters, the original story for them is reprinted at the end, so you can read it there, too. <laughs> um, but, I mean, <sighs> Jess Chambers is is the star of this book for us, because Jess is great. It, it's the non-binary Flash from yep. Future State that we adored, and that was in an amazing relationship with Andy Curry, <laughs> and one of my highlights of all Future State, so that was really cool. But there's a lot of good shit in here, too. Um I absolutely love a male Donna Troy. Yeah. Like, I like that a lot. Um, I love a female Robin named Talia. There's so many yep. things that are stacked in there that I really enjoy. And I like the story. I think this story is really, really cool. Also, male Raven's amazing. So, um, <laughs> but obviously, yeah. I think it's. I think it was really cool. I'm hooked. I want to know what's happening. I want to know the arc. I want to know everything. So, this book did its job. It, it yeah. got me hooked. So, what did you think? I mean, like we're, I'm really hoping this one like sticks around because, like, in a world where we don't know, where we no longer have Titans Academy, at least we have like this group of kids, you know, like it's like these group of teens. But I've been waiting for fuck over a year now since since Future State. I've been waiting for the when Kid Quick was gonna make their comic book, not debut, but like their book, you know, like I've been waiting for their book to 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 appear. So I'm glad that it's on that's in here. And I really like Earth Eleven. Last time I was here was in the in the Wonder Woman book when she was going through like the universes, and when and she met up with their Justice League, with the, the all female Justice League, and the Wonder Man was was the villain. And when they kicked it, when they kicked his ass, I love they were just like, "Yo, hey, a spot just filled up. You want to like complete the fucking team and make it all girls?" So I'm glad that we're here. We're in this universe, um, yeah. but we're exploring the Teen Titans uh, instead. And yeah, like. Male Raven, Raven, he is such a fucking cutie. Yeah, I love this team a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm very excited. So, ironically, Josue brought up Teen Titans Academy. Our next book is our twelfth number one, Dark Crisis number one. Oh, um, okay. So I got this cover mm-hmm. because I love the Robins. Uh, I love the Bat Family. So, Dark Crisis number one. Let's talk creative team first. Um, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Daniel Sampier, colored by Alejandro Sanchez, and letter by Tom Napolitano. It opens up with a funeral for all the departed Justice League members, and it's really cool. Um, 
uh, Dick Grayson's giving the the eulogy, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. There's like a huge group of people wow. you can sit here forever and pick apart all the different heroes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they're basically like, "Hey, we got to step up," and that's what most of this issue is: is them basically being like, "Hey, we got to step up," and it's mostly about John, uh, John Kent stepping up as Superman, and he wants to create a new Justice League, and he basically he tries to recruit a few people. Um, I saw one that was getting memed a lot online was when he tried to recruit Yara Floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked it, but I didn't take it as like a personal insult. Cause she makes a point in the in the comic that like the Amazon is being attacked. I'm going to defend the Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, like so um, there's a great moment where the horse, her horse is like cuddling with John. He's like, oh, I think they like me. And then she goes, him. His name is Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> like, like, so that's great. Um, also, the new Batman uh, in mm-hmm. New York City also rejects him. Oh. Uh, and is just like, you know, basically like, he says Superman needs a Batman. He goes, not this one. Go ask one of your Robins. The last Batman to team up with anyone died. Oh, just wow. Took off. Like, and then there's like a montage of him recruiting people. Now, I've seen some criticisms of this group. I would like to point out a couple of them that I really enjoy. Uh, Dr. Light says, yes, I'm 100% here for a heroic fun for, run for Dr. Light. Hmm. That character deserves a really cool run. It's the female Dr. Light, by the way, not the original. Swamp Thing says no. Wow. Just straight up no. Like He's just like, no. <laughs> uh, Harley Quinn is in. I don't think Harley Quinn's going to stick around in the Justice League. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Sojo is literally fighting somebody. <laughs> and she's like, a little busy. Uh, Damien says, uh, I support you, but John, my father is not dead. Now we read Future State Gotham. So we know what his denial about his father being dead means sometimes. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite one, Killer Frost. Oh. Getting the second chance. I'm here for this shit. Oh, you said yes? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Killer Frost said yes. So I love Killer Frost. As nice. a as one of those people who think the Flash villains are the best villains, mm-hmm. Killer Frost is amazing. I love her. And I love the CW adaptation where she's a hero. Okay. Uh, so I want her to be, you know, I want her to be definitely a hero. I want her to be, mo- I want her to be, um, yeah, Mockingbird. Or not Mockingbird, um, Songbird. Oh, gotcha. I want her to be that equivalent. I want her to be that good of a character. Mm-hmm. So, uh of course, uh, Jackson Hyde says yes. Supergirl ends up saying yes. The Flashes all say no because they're doing a thing with Wally. It's like a multiversal thing. Okay. And then the thing I was like, <sighs> Peacekeeper. They asked Peacekeeper. Uh, Why okay. he would ask a member of the Suicide Squad, I don't know, but I guess he's big right now. Yeah, thing. yeah. Vixen says no. Firestar- Firestorm says no. Um, <laughs> the last one is <laughs> Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Fist bumping. It says bros. Um, also, Jamie, Jamie Jaime says yes too. So there's actually two blue beetles. <laughs> so, uh, but it's great. There's a moment where they all gather, and he's has got this big group shot. And again, the one that jumps out at me is Killer Frost, looking badass on the end. Nice. Like yeah, and it's great because he introduces it to Black Adam. Black Adam's like, yeah, you know, Justice League. He's like. What what what's wrong with you? And he's like, he points to Killer Frost, like this one will stab you in the back, and he points to Harley Quinn, this one is unstable and will also stab you in the back. 
and points at Jackson. That fish is a maybe. <laughs> and he's like, do you really need two blue beetles? <laughs> like, it's great, right? So, so far, I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be, I'm, I try not to be negative. And I love Joshua Williamson. I'm, I'm secretly hoping it was, this wasn't his choice. Okay. We cut to Teen Titans Academy. Oh, okay. And Robin is teaching the kids a bunch of shit. And everybody's like, ah, oh, this is fun. Do you remember what happened in the last issue of Teen Titans Academy? Yeah. That had me basically crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chupacabra, George Perez. Yeah. The, the, the best emotional send-off to George Perez there ever could have been, right? Right. Chupacabra shows up, bloodied, beaten, Nightwing goes to help him and discovers there's a bomb attached to his chest and he explodes. No! Oh. Timing, dude. Mm. Timing. Mm. Bad timing. Especially because we did get confirmation he was also queer in his last appearance. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I don't think there was any malicious intent. No. I honestly think it was like, okay, we need to do this you know, what's the student that people like? Chupacabra. Cool, let's use Chupacabra. I don't think they were like, yes, the George Perez tribute's done. Let's kill the gay one. You know, like, no, I didn't think that wait, was it or anything. Like, but that was just really poor timing. Even if, even if, even if, if like, to some degree, it was, like, that last part, they could have gone with Stitch, and we would have known that Stitch would have been fine because based on their powers. But, like, really? Him? Yeah. yeah. Which leads... Uh, one of the teases we got at the end of the last Shadow War was that all the villains are coming together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they went straight up for there. Damn! Deathstroke is back. Who would Deathstroke go after? Mm-hmm. The Titans. Mm-hmm. So he's there to wipe out the Titans. They capture Beast Boy who talks shit and he shoots Beast Boy in the head. Yo! Now here's my thing. Uh, Beast Boy and Cyborg are sharing a body, technically. Remember, that's an illusion. Uh-huh. So that might not even be Beast Boy. That might just be an illusion. And okay. he's still with Cyborg's body. So yeah. I'm hoping that's an out for us. Um, But yeah, I just... They'd really put a damper on a book I was really enjoying. That I was like, really? Like, immediately... the I, I'm pretty sure that came out last week. Teen Titans Academy. I want to say... Well, I mean, with at least the two. It was, it was not yeah. more than two episodes ago. Yeah, so I'm like... Fuck, man. Like, it, it was a George Perez tribute. And it was like, look how awesome I am. I got my wings. Yes. And I'm the coming out as queer. And then exploded. Like, and I'm just... I, That's I, not I a character that you easily bring I back. I think it's either. another example of DC not really keeping control of the order things are coming out, of, out in. Yeah. And just not realizing. I think that's the problem. I don't think, again, anyone had the plan of let's kill Chupacabra because Teen Titans Academy is over or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping he's okay. But his powers aren't exactly bomb-absorbing level powers. Right. So. Uh, it, and it yeah. was on his chest. So, we'll see, but that... Hmm. No, I get you. I feel you, dude. Unsettling. Which, unfortunately, brings us to our next book, <laughs> which, I, which I'm not going to count as a number one. Okay. Uh, even though we could, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not forcing this. Uh, that is DC Pride. Yes. Um, which is just after watching Chupacabra explode, it's just great. Let me tell you. So, uh, <laughs> so there was some controversy here that mm-hmm. we do need to address. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, oh, what cover did you get? Because I got this one. 
Uh, I went with cover A. Because it's got my girl Dreamer on it? Yeah, that was a good one. So, um, this is an anthology. I normally would read all the creators, but I'm not going to. Because it's a lot. Yeah, it's a big Just one. Just pick it up for yourself. This is basically a book. Um, but the foreword is by Nicole Maines, who played Dreamer and loved it because I adore Nicole Maines. She is adorable. I would marry her in a heartbeat. Uh, but a lot of variety of stories. The only one I'm going to address directly right off the bat is the first one, um, where we get Damien and John. And there's this awkward moment where Damien is like, isn't pride a riot? That's why I'm bringing yeah. Bring all these crowd disposal stuff. And then also, like, it was it was weird because they were both kind of wrong. Because yeah. he's like, isn't it a riot? And it's like, well, not really like that. Why are you bringing crowd? And it was like, people are online are saying to protect the rioters. I'm like, no, it's not. Not with and those. That doesn't make sense. And then um, John's saying Pride's been a party for decades. Oof. John, Pride is more than a fucking party. Oof. Okay. If you've ever been to a Pride... At least in a major city, you know there's usually some activism involved. There's usually some kind of like a protest of some sort. Like there's usually a remembrance from Stonewall of, of Stonewall or yeah, something like that. A lot. It's not a it's not just a fucking party. That bothered the shit out of me. Well, more than the Robin thing, actually, that part. Oh yeah, no, it's so that that one liner. And especially because like again, like the symbolism that you're you're Superman now, bro. And then like and then you drop that line. <laughs> yeah. And then John uh, is given a new cape, and we get a very brief shot of it. It's like, oh, this is cool. It looks like a pride flag. Okay, cool. And then we get the full shot of it, and smack dab. This isn't a surprise to anyone who has the internet. Smack dab in the back of the, <laughs> the cape is the straight pride flag. Why? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, just three massive de- wrong decisions in like five pages. Mm-hmm. Like that's ridiculous. Um, other than that, it was, uh, I mean, the other ones are good. We'll talk about the others. Actually, I will go through them quick though, but that was just really disappointing. It really bothered me Yeah, to just open up like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of put a damper on the rest of the book for me. I did. I tried not to let it affect the rest, um, but I guess part of it is, we've been getting a lot of these awesome diversity specials, you know, and several of them have been pride based. And I'm kind of like, we keep telling the same two or three pride stories. You know what I mean? Like we're telling the, we're actively doing something LGBT, like pride related, going to a pride parade, um, coming out or look who I'm dating now. That's the three stories they're basically telling, except for a few, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's just kind of like, I think I'm getting sick of seeing this over and over. Let them do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so that, that leads me actually to the Nubia story, which was actually really good and did a really good job of refreshing my tastes for the rest of the book, specifically because it was pro wrestling, but also Big Barter in her pajamas is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, probably Liz's favorite DC hero, except for Jason Todd is Big Barter. Barter, nice. Loves Big Barter. She would, yeah. Yeah, so um, we get to see an awesome, you know, uh, pro wrestling match, and it's all centered around a broken blade and Io and Nubia. I really, really liked that story. That was a lot of fun. Um, the next one was probably my favorite. Nice. I was gonna say this is such a highlight one because like it does touch on like the three that you said, but in a different way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's simply because. How many stories about asexual characters do we get? Clarification you on know? like what it really entails or means really to be or 
for an asexual person? I think part of the reason I really was worried, and one of the reasons I really ended up liking it is because how much I was worried to start with when I started reading it. Mm-hmm. Is because I knew we we heard before he was going to be revealed as asexual. We're talking about Connor, by the way, in case right. anyone's wondering. Um, we heard he was going to be coming out as asexual, and I was kind of like, okay, what's this going to be? And I was worried because it really felt like he was like, like, like that when he's talking about Ollie, you know, getting the spare tickets and a date, you know. Yeah. I was really worried he was going to be like, I don't want to be with anybody. I'm like, that's not asexuality, mm-hmm. you know. And then immediately the next page was like. Yeah, I'd love everything except for the sexual nature of it. I'm like, perfect. Okay, yes. that's that's asexuality. So I think the recovery there was so great that I just was enamored by the story immediately because it did it right. Right. Um, and yeah, I thought that was really cool. I also just love the character. He's fantastic. And he is going to be appearing more in Robin, so I'm very happy about that. I know. I'm so excited he's still around. Yeah. Uh, next up was Alyssa Yo, which I thought was really cool that they brought Alyssa Yo back because... I'm not sure if she ever appeared after the new 52. Oh, um, right. She might've come back, but I don't remember. It, that was when Gail Simone was writing the character went in Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always liked the character. I want, I want Alyssa to be a, an actual hero and I'm, it serves the purpose pretty well in this story. Good look too. I really liked it. So oh, totally. yeah, that was a fun one. Um, obviously the Jackson one was adorable. <laughs> like, it's just cute. Oh, but that was again, style. Oh, the art's great. Oh, but it was again, game. a little like a look who I'm dating now story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and a lot of them are kind of like that. And it's like, but I did like the, the arc of going to New Mexico. I thought that was really cool. And right. It was funny because the, the way they were like, you know, the, the shittiest city in the planet. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's right next door to us. I know where that is. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, it made me want huevos rancheros. Uh, really yes. <laughs> So, um, and then of course the sojourner story was amazing. I I really want to read this book so bad. I I need to pick up, uh, far sector. You do. I I like that. There's like a follow up that this was a follow up to that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make Liz read it because she loved far sector. Um, then we get the Ray, which I think is an underrated character and should be used more. It like, uh, that's one of those characters that they could easily do more with. That was basically, he wasn't always gay, but is, you know, has been, you know what I mean? They didn't have to create a new character. They have him, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, and then of course, uh, I mean, it just keeps going. We get, well, there's a lot in here. We get a Batwoman story. Of course we do. Um, we get a ghost maker. Oh, that's a pinup. That's right. Um, then we get the Tim Drake one. And, uh, I just don't like Tim. I'm sorry, DC. I don't care. <laughs> I, I'm very happy for him. I'm happy that he's happy. I just don't like Tim Drake and I never have. It's not going to happen. So good for him and his boyfriend. Uh, we get the Harley and uh, Ivy story, which I actually really liked the art for. It was Zoe Thorogood. Yeah. And I really, really like this art. So uh, good stuff there. And then we get the Kid Quick one, of course, which I we already talked about. We love Kid Quick. So that was a positive. And then uh, Josue... Obviously, the one we talked about before that it was the highlight for you was Finding Batman, written by Kevin Conroy. Yeah. And it was so emotional, and it was really good. And as much as the first story was a bad foot to start off on, mm-hmm. this was an excellent way to wrap it up. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to talk about any of the others or just that, knock yourself out real quick. Uh, I just want to highlight, like, uh, right before the Finding Batman, there's like a great uh, Galaxy the Prettiest Star uh, pinup. 
uh, with, with uh, and more dreamer and but it says like and more dreamer from nicole mains and rye uh, hickman coming soon so it's gonna be like a duo book like, done together and, and i love like please bring rye, rye hickman like back but into a book like they're awesome too so, i'll take more dreamer forever yeah and then with so, the but with Galaxy the Prettiest Star, which again I'm going to pick pick that book up this week, this so coming good, week. Dude. Uh, so having them two together would be a, such a great book. Uh, but yeah, no, Finding Batman was was the one that broke me. Like, yeah, obviously it started very rough, and then there was like the the, the stories here and there that, that I enjoyed like along the way. But Finding Batman was so completely honest. Like I I I, I was I was crying I, I was crying at the end, where it's like and even then it took like. A five minute break and then i was like i was had to tell sochi and then as as i'm reading to her like the final lines i'm immediately crying I'm, i i couldn't even finish it. i was like broken by like the last like two lines um that like shit man like kevin like what a soul to have to go through all that yeah to and to and to find his moment to be like like obviously people know the character but then like after after re- reading his his, his story being being there for him for a story and then you're with him in that room and it's like and they're explaining me this character what this person went through and and then they asked me could i relate or could i relate they asked let me just try and get into the head of the man i i see where and where i go and then you just you don't you almost don't even have to turn the page for how he internalized the role of bruce wayne and batman for himself and it's just like it was so overwhelming. Like, and it's like the way he compares like, like his family to, to Bruce's and crime alley. And just like, and with his brother. And then like the, and then like, when he like releases, like when he opens his eye in that room and he says, re- when he releases and what comes out isn't a voice that he recognizes. And it's just like that, all that rage, all of that Bruce and Batman that was inside him. That's why he's, that's why there's no, no question that everybody's fate. I mean, like everybody's like his top Batman, you have to argue that Kevin Connery has to be up there. And it's because he li- he had to live that life. Sadly, he had to live that life of putting up a mask, but he's been our fucking hero. Oh my God. I just, I, it was, it was, a, it was a great way to end this book. No one has played Batman more than Kevin Conroy. Yeah. For 30 years for, yeah, for a children's show. It. Like people an, talk about, um, you know, Christian Bale, that was three movies. Yeah. No, like, he 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 expanded the role from like again like from a cartoon a children's cartoon to a pretty all right like edgy video game franchise that that pushed the role away from the cartoon to to then exploring feature Batman in uh in the live action crossover like the man has been Batman throughout the ages yeah yeah he is Batman he is Batman and we have and, a Batman it's Kevin Conroy yes like so yeah so th- this is definitely a book that I'm gonna be rereading because it's, it's it's literally breaking me down all over again I can't even fully look at that last page because it's already yeah, getting at me <laughs> uh but at cons I'm sure it's gonna be one of the, the most signed things of him for him definitely like I can't wait to take this book and not even have him sign the cover I need to I need him to sign his story yeah, I like doing that. Like of anthology, have them sign their story. Yeah, yeah. The cover. So, all right, and then we have a couple of DCs to wrap it up. Non number ones. I know you're disappointed. <laughs> Monkey Prince number five. Uh, so we got this cover. I think Ooh. it's fun. Yeah. So Monkey Prince has to leave Gotham because his parents are found, and basically Batman is going to arrest them. And he's like, "Are my parents bad guys?" He can't quite figure out if they were like actually working with the Penguin or not. Superman flies overhead and they hide 
And he's like, hmm, that's not a good sign, basically. <laughs> but they end up going to Amnesty Bay, and of course, his parents get a new job working for Black Manta instead. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, we need you to work. He's like, or they're like oh, we're going to work on your submarine. He's like, no, guess what? I found this ancient artifact that has a demon inside and need you to get it out, which is literally what happened with the penguin. And they're like, fuck. <laughs> so meanwhile, he's like dealing with the fact he has to go to a new school. Uh, this girl walks up to him and says, you look like someone who likes bananas and gives him a banana. And it's like, the fuck is happening? Um, he ends up talking to her and she rips his shirt off and sees his circlet, you know, for the monkey prince. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I was right. You are the monkey. The tasty, tasty monkey. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it gets crazy. And then basically the rest of the issue is the two of them having an awesome fight. And uh, she she gets more and more monstrous as it goes on. I love this page. Oh, it is like, cool. Him just cruising on the cloud. Like, I love it. It's so fun. But yeah, basically, um, he ends up defeating her, throwing in the water, and instead of capturing her finisher, he's afraid of water, so he can't do it. Even though uh, the, the piggy is telling him to do it, he can't do it. So, And then you find out she is actually a half-breed with the Trench uh, uh, Atlanteans. Hmm. And her father, I guess, is the king. Oh, and that's ooh, that, kind of oh. like the twist that's going there. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'm very excited about it. It's the new arc. The last arc was four issues. This one feels like it's going to be four issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fun stuff. And I want to see how Black Mana plays into it because I love Black Mana. So, great. And then the last one is Dark Knights of Steel number seven <laughs> of 12. Oh, it's back, baby. Um, I'm so excited here. I love this book. Um, each issue brings us another part of the DC universe brought into this world. And this issue does the same. Written by Tom Taylor, art by Nathan Gooden, colored by Arif Prianto, and letter by Wes Abbott. I'm not getting into too many details because there's a lot going on in this uh, as far as like the overarching story. But the important part here is, in the last issue, um, Rachel Ghoul agreed to help Constantine in exchange for knowing where the Titans are. And this is the story of that. Oh, okay. Batman is basically wrecked by Superman. And an old, remember a kindly old couple found him? Oh, yeah. Jonathan and Martha Kent found Batman in this case. Yeah. Um, they're the ones raising the Titans, which are these ch- children with powers who aren't safe out there, basically. And I'm trying to find the first shot because you get a really good shot of the characters. Um, so here's, you get Raven and Cyborg oh. and Starfire. And I really like the Starfire with the ponytail. I think it's a good look for mm-hmm. her. So, and then there's a dog there, a green dog, who ends up being Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. So, like right there. So, um, But basically, they're like, ew, he's bad. He's a bad guy. Get rid of him. And he's like, he decides to defend them. And um, Dick Grayson shows up, the final member of the Big Five, because he's one of the Robins, right? Yeah. Oh. He's, tr- he's there to find Bruce. And it's so it's like the original, it's the main five Titans together. It's just kind of like a moment. It's kind of cool. And Rachel Ghoul and Talia show up and are like, give us the Titans. And Bruce is like, go fuck yourself. And they have a really big fight. And it's very, very cool, including Rache summoning Etrigan the demon. Oh, oh. so it's in him. So that was really, really cool. Nice. Uh, 
the fight's really cool because it's just it's just Bruce fighting them by himself. And the Titans are like, yeah, you need help. And he's just like, no, you, I'm supposed to protect you. And then Beast Boy's like, no, let's help. And he's like, thank you, Beast Boy. But I don't think Assassin's and Redeemer are going to be too troubled by a dog. He's like, sure, but I can turn to any animal I've ever seen. And believe me, I've seen some shit. Awesome. And he turns into a massive fucking dragon. It's <laughs> awesome. So, And then I love this close-up. <laughs> It says, let's wreak some havoc. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. So they have this awesome fight. It's really, really cool. Um, they end up defeating Raish and Talia, who flee. And then that's when they find out the war has started between the three kingdoms, Amazonia, the elves, and the House of Lightning. So oh. things are happening. So nice. very excited to see where that goes. I love that story, that book. It's just so fucking good. It's so different, and it's just really unique and enjoyable. So... Which finally takes us to our final publisher, Marvel Comics. Um, yeah, we don't have too many Marvel, which is probably good because we had a bunch of DC. But mm-hmm. what we do have is, and as always, say quality. Savage Avengers number two. Remember last year or last week or last issue, I should say, where I was like, "Look at Dagger's awesome haircut with yeah. the pattern." She's on the cover this time. Ooh, ah, uh, nice. So cool, dude. Such a cool pattern. It's like my favorite part of the book, which isn't an insult to the book. It's just that cool. <laughs> so, written by one of our faves, Dave Papose, art by Carlos Magno, colored by Espen Grundlinger, and letter by Travis Lanham. Yeah, we're going back in time to you know Conan's uh, Iberian or, or, or not Iberian. Uh, my mind just went blank. Um, Hyborian. There we go. Hyborian age. And the group kind of gets separated, and they have to work together in pairs. So it's a lot of fun to see them like work together to do things. Um, meanwhile, the Deathlock is still trying to hunt them. So the only group that's a trio is Anti-Venom, Dagger, and um, and Conan. Uh, so th- they're working together. Um, we also have Cloak and uh, Elektra together. And they're actually in an arena. And they have to basically, they're thrown into a fight with the undefeated champion, Devil Dinosaur. Remember uh, the tease from oh, last issue? Yeah. So how are they able to defeat them? Defeat him? Cloak fucking eats him with his cloak. Just eats Devil Dinosaur. Uh-huh. But it's so much that Cloak, it just knocks Cloak the fuck out, basically. It's just mm-hmm. too much. Meanwhile, one of the most ridiculous things, and I love it because this is a very David Proposed moment, and I just adore it, is Deathlock being like, where's your nearest munitions factory to like a random dude? And they're like, what the fuck is <laughs> munitions? So Deathlock accesses all the memory bases he has and uses a forge to make his own gun and it's like a layfield gun it's not like a pistol it's like a full gun yeah. and i love it it's so funny to me like i adore that and um because of course he's not like oh, i'll just make a sword he's like no i need a gun and that, that's totally a deathlock thing to do um and then we also get black knight and weapon h oh, yeah. fighting together and there's actually a moment where weapon h can't hulk out but he's they jump out a window and then suddenly they, they say it basically like his gamma frequency changed and now he can transform. And that's like Harpy. Yeah. That's like, that's like what Betty looks like now. Totally. So that's interesting. Can he change the different Hulk forms he takes? Yeah. Yeah. Will he be red Hulk and have the heat thing? You know, like that, that's a really cool idea. I think that's awesome. So we also discover that dagger can use her powers to heal, which she could do in the past. I thought, Yeah, I, th- I mean, but, I, I thought too. But it's but it's it, a specific way is um, 
the light daggers drain the life force, so she basically is realizing where did that energy go. So she uses the life force she drained from somebody to heal anti-venom, basically. And there's actually a cool moment where anti-venom's suit's messing up. So he, you see he's missing the lower half of their legs, his legs. And they're like, oh, God, what happened to your legs? He's like, oh, no, no, that's a long time ago. <laughs> he's like, that didn't just happen, which is a great moment. He's like, yeah, don't worry about that. But they all have to team up to defeat the Deathlock. And the best part is Deathlock shows up and he's going to wreck them. And Cloak is just like, oh, my God, I can't hold it back. And then Devil Dinosaur comes <laughs> flying out of Cloak and just wrecks everything. And they manage to escape. Basically. That's funny. So I really liked it. It's a lot of fun. It's. I don't know how long it's going to last with Conan with them losing the Conan rights. Maybe they'll get rid of Conan and stick together as a team. We could do that. That'd be cool. I really like it. So, uh, thumbs up. Next up. Okay, so we're going to swing over to three different locations in the Marvel Universe. First of all, let's go to the streets of New York for some Spidey books. Venom number eight, which does not take place in New York, but <laughs> I don't care. I got the scroll variant. Oh, nice. Um, written by Al Ewing, penciled by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry and Andy Owens, colored by Alex Sinclair and Pan- Pete Pantazis, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Um, we go back to Eddie. It's basically the headline here. We finally check in with Eddie Brock and what's going on with him. And it's... It's a time travel mindfuck. <laughs> like, and I love time travel mindfucks. They're great. And of course, if you're in Marvel and you have a time travel mindfuck... Who else will show up but King the Conqueror? Um, I really liked this one because of the ingenuity Eddie had with the symbiote. Oh, yeah. The um, war suit? The way he used it and the way he like thought of the right ways to handle it in the <clears> direction <throat> he needed it to. I thought that was like the highlight of the story. I really, really enjoyed that. Especially the way he convinced it to attack Kang. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but really cool. I, mean, I just, I love the story and it's, it's been like two or three issues since we checked in with Eddie, like really checked in with Eddie. So I was excited to go back and we got a cool little last page tease as to what's going on. And maybe it's something more. So I'm curious. what do you think? Cosway? I mean, I, I was, we know there's like, there's like some like time fuckery from like before, like there's like, there's Eddie died, but then like Eddie's still talking to Dylan. And, but we know there's like some like time displacement. I was not expecting Kane to be a plan, a plan to this. Like I said, we've been talking, we've been like touching on like the king, the kings in black, like the current and futures ones. But then like just like having King be a play, a player in a Venom book was not was not uh, in my bingo card. <laughs> yeah, and they did the whole timey wimey thing where King's like, "Oh, is this the first time we've met from your perspective?" Right, I'm but like, then they do that, and it's like <laughs> I guess it makes sense. <laughs> like I love it. It's funny because I love Doctor Who, and the, mm-hmm. that happens. Like, uh, what was it? The with River. Yeah, it was River. The first time they met was the last time they met. Yeah. Like, the opposite direction. I thought that was really cool. So, um, yeah, I, I liked it, but I was also kind of like, oh, God, King <laughs> gives me a headache. So I know. Th- this is definitely the side of the story where I need, like, almost, like, two at a time to really follow the Eddie part right. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool, though. Uh, which takes us to our next Spidey book, Amazing Spider-Man number three. I also got the scroll variant for this one. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so... Written by Zeb Wells, penciled by John Romita Jr., inked by Scott Hanna, color by Mercy Omeniz, and letter by Joe Carmagna. Um, Tombstone's a badass, dude. I mean, like with the way this one played out, I'm glad I got cover A. <laughs> oh, that, that's really good, yeah. Dude, this is some cold-ass shit. Yeah. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And it's like, it's funny how, like, after, you know, Sinister War, 
where Spidey's fighting every villain in existence. I'm actually more worried about him now. (laughs) (laughs) Just against Tombstone. Because Tombstone don't fuck around. (laughs) And and he's he's there to make a statement. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, and I love the story with Randy Robertson and Tombstone's daughter. That's a really cool story going on. I'm really curious about the tease with MJ's new man and what's going on there. I know the fact that he was going to show up and I was like, I wanted to see that conversation play out. Yeah. I really, really, really liked this issue and I love what we're building to. And I love, again, we talked about in the past two issues. I love we're back to basics with Peter. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> yes. It's like I'm fighting a super powered mob boss in New York city. Like that's just as basic as it gets for Peter. I like that a lot. So. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, I'm mean, I was, I was saying like, the, the, it seems like, yeah, like we should be way past that, like street level stuff, but it's like, it's, it's Spider-Man at, at its core here. But yeah, like the, seeing him, like the struggle and like, yeah, there is no way out. I like, you can't even tell. Like, there's like, it's not right now, but uh, it, it's, it's really fucking good. I mean, and there's only three issues left, three issues till like the big one, a hundred. So it's kind of like, is he even going to make it from here? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, It's been good. It's been really mm-hmm. good. So, All right. So from the streets of New York, we are going to swing over to Asgard. Thor, number 20. <laughs> <laughs> this book is fucking ridiculous, and I love it. Written by Donnie Cates, art by Martin Kokolo, color by Matt Wilson, and letter by Joe Sabino. I should be very clear when I say fucking ridiculous. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> so in the at the end of the last issue... Hulk revealed his new power to basically explode as a gamma bomb, which of course turned Thor into a Hulk. That's bad. That's no bueno, as they might say. And there's this whole thing with Odin, and he's like, we do this. And then of course, there's. I love that one of the highlights of Donny Cates' run is Thor does something really ridiculous and overpowered and like world-changing. In this case, destroyed the Rainbow Bridge, <laughs> resisted it with his willpower. I love that. Like, I love them doing stuff like that. So, so Bruce is like, I need to take control of the the Hulk body. I need a favor, Odin, and that favor is to touch down with Mjolnir. Mjolnir, Hulk is able to wield Mjolnir because Odin allows him to, and now he is. He's Thor Hulk, as opposed to <laughs> Hulk Thor, who's he's, who's fighting. And then we we're back where we started. It's just the two of them punching the shit out of each other. Just but now they're stronger. even more powerful. <laughs> like, so we last, only got one issue left. The last I'm, page is crazy. They just explode an entire planet like it's ridiculous. So <laughs> I'm excited. I think it's going to be really cool. And I'm also excited for the next issue because yes, Thor crossing over with venom the mm-hmm. king of asgard and the king in black i think that's a really cool idea yeah so we'll see what goes on there but anything you want to add about that book uh it, I, i'm glad that it's like it'd be it, for this part of the story it became tony fucking who <laughs> oh yeah tony got punked the fuck out by the way which is he great. is out of his suit tony. and serves no purpose and he knows it <laughs> all he did was make it worse thanks tony that's usually 90 percent of the time that's what tony does is yes like jesus civil war made things worse <laughs> uh, th- this book is ridiculous uh, again in the most fun and best way i just like i i feel stupid for not thinking that this is the way it was gonna go after the events of the last issue <laughs> yeah it's great 
So, sticking in Asgard, we're going to talk about Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number one. I got the Carmen Carnero cover. Nice. Yeah. Um, written by Torin Gronbeck, who has been doing all the, the Jane Foster and Valkyrie books, by the cool. way. Are by Michael Dowling, colored by Jesus Bertoff, and letter by Joe Sabino. I really liked this. Um, I like when Thor stories focus on the Asgard of it all. Mm-hmm. And so this is very much that in this case. And um, I love the opening with her as Valkyrie. Yes. And solving that situation. I won't get into the specifics, but solving that situation in a way only she could. I thought that was really cool. Um, I also love Runa on her first date. <laughs> Obviously, that's amazing. Um, and the, of course, the horse showing up is funny. And yeah, just the, t- the the whole thing of Asgard getting this overwhelming force attacking them, bringing back so many characters that I really enjoy. I love Curse. I always thought he was a cool character. Um, and yeah, we get to, we get some better Ray Bill. Like it's a little bit the best of you know of, of Thor, including a last minute appearance by the Enchantress that I really <laughs> really enjoyed. So I thoroughly enjoyed this. How did you feel not being the biggest Thor fan like I am necessarily? Was it a lot? Was there a lot of people? You're like, who's that? Who's that? Like, how'd you feel? Not who's that? Who's that? It's just, um, it was just definitely more just like, I'm, I'm following the story as it's, te- as it's telling me, and instead of like anticipating what's going to happen, mm-hmm. um, just so I don't, so I don't like, so I don't, so I don't lose myself, and especially it's like knowing where Marvel is at right now, especially like, since literally if I'm, I'm reading this one right after Thor, it's just like I'm warning how the, the whole Milner thing comes into play. Or when this this comes into play, so it's like it's still very much the same millionaire when it comes crashing down. Um, but as far as focusing, still focusing on uh, on Jane and Runa, which I kind of like that they're still kind of keeping them together. Yes, very much so. Uh, but you know, but but it's still very interesting. Like I, I like I, the beginning. Like like you said, the beginning is definitely a, a highlight. How she she's keeping it more to like yeah, she gets she gets an opportunity for millionaire later, but it seems like she's still very much like. I am Valkyrie right now. I need to focus on, or I'm going to focus on how to solve this shit as Valkyrie. And then if I have to resort to Milner or using Milner. Yeah. She seems to enjoy being Valkyrie more than Thor. Oh, totally. So I think that's really cool. And it puts some value in, in Valkyrie, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like that's, that's what she does. So I really liked it. Um, you said when it comes crashing down and I, the wrestling fan in me really tried hard not to sing Hulk Hogan's theme song. when he said that, <laughs> cause it's when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, um, yeah, I like it. I like that it's about the Valkyries. You know, uh, we're bringing Runa in. I love Runa, one of my favorite new characters they've introduced. Absolutely, it's great. And so. then and then the new gift circling around her, licking the sword from the new movie. Oh Ooh. yeah. Ooh. Oh Tessa Thompson, you beautiful person. <laughs> um, and for those keeping track, that is our final and thirteenth number one of the week. Thirteen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's 13 more books I have to subscribe to. <laughs> so, uh, well, we're going to end our journey through the Marvel Universe, as always, with a little trip to Krakoa. And we're going to start with Marauders, number three, because it's not actually in Krakoa. It's kind of midway between Krakoa and Asgard because it's out in space. Um, written by Steve Orlando, art by Eleanor, Eleonora, uh, Eleonora, excuse me, Carlini, color by Matt Mia, and letter by Ariana Mayer. Um, what takeaway can you have from this book except that Cassandra Nova is ridiculous? Awesome. I, she's so, no, I, I don't want to say cool because she's also kind of awful, but at the same time, just a really cool, well-written character. Um, 
So much so that I kind of missed the other characters in which they had a little bit more, like, going on. Oh, yeah. You know, it kind of feels like Cassandra's book at this point. And I like Akihiro. <laughs> I want more Akihiro. And, <laughs> you know, so. But uh, it's still really cool. I love that we're coming back to the Shi'ar. I love that we're dealing with the the Empress. And remember Secret X-Men, the one shot we got. Mm-hmm. And her whole thing with my X-Men, you know, and things like that. I'm wondering if that's going to come into play. And I really want to know the secret. And it looks like we're going to find out, but she gets hit and this whole thing's going on. I, I really, really enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think it's one of the more fun X-Men books. This one? And yeah. That's what makes it kind of like different than the others. Because a lot of them are really, they're so good, but they're really dramatic or political. This one's just kind of like wacky adventures in space. Cassandra Nova ate your face. Like, <laughs> it's like, and it's like the dragon that inhaled a symbiote to into its blood and shit. I'm oh, like, yeah. this is ridiculous. I love it. So, um, yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed the issue. What do you think? Um, I mean, it, I think right now, yeah, I think there's like, might be more of a focus on Cassandra because she's the one that really needs to be sold to everyone. I can understand that, yeah. Uh, and, and also because like, like reading this issue, I'm like, besides Somnus, you can put Somnus pretty much fucking anywhere. But the rest of the team, they're very much fish out of the water, quite literally. Like this, this should be like a dope ass pirate team out in the water, but they're not. So I think, that, I think that's, that's why like, they haven't made like their plays here, except for except for Tempo. Her her move on fucking Gladiator so dope. was awesome. Like yeah, she she doesn't take him down, but she definitely puts a pause to Gladiator in a single move. Though it does drain her. The way she explains it, it's like, yo, that one move took a millennia out of me. It's like, what? (laughs) The fact that she can do that, like, it's still in one move, no struggle. She'll 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 deal with it after. But the fact that it take it would take that long, that much on Gladiator to wrinkle his hand, like, oh, it was such a dope part. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. To think a year ago, Tempo was in Sebastian Shaw's whiskey like refinery aging whiskey for him and now she's a badass on the yeah. lines of the marauders like that's <laughs> so cool so yeah really really liked it um and finally i'm really loving this book so i had to put it last legion of x number two this book has been impressing me a lot mm-hmm. um written by Sai spurrier drawn by john oh john bazadua colored by federico blee letter by clayton cowles oh my god the cast is huge first of all <laughs> it's gigantic. Um, but it's only getting bigger and it's only getting better at the same time. Um, I was kind of worrying Sage would fall into the background, but it seems like she's actually going to be a relatively important character, which I think is cool because Sage is one of my favorite X-Men. Um, also, I love that Banshee is popping up. I like yes. the idea of this one being kind of a rotational cast in some ways. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Um, I love... Juggernaut's just fantastic in this book. So <laughs> but yeah, we're dealing with the Skinwalker. Um, and it's just really cool. Also, I just love this. Um, how much do we hate Hank? Like, we hate Hank McCoy so much at this point that even though he's only defending his own territory, rightfully so, we're like, fuck Hank. Kick his ass. <laughs> Character we just met. <laughs> like, 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 I know. I don't even have to ask you. You were 100% on her side in that fight, right? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I was so... I'm, I'm, I was wondering what she was doing, because, again, like, you never know who's going to be a traitor here like, coming into Krakoa. Yeah. 
I for a second I did think I, I did think it was cool that's like okay at least he's defending his shit the way he just pounces but it was just like in that single move it's like yeah I wasn't gonna be on your side either though yeah the way she's like she swiftly just takes care of him it was awesome yeah I really like this book I like the the search for the the deity and obviously it seems like we know who the deity is because uh, it's someone looking for worshippers you know what I mean like so I think that's really cool um, everything going on with Legion and, and blindfold. Love that stuff. It's so good. Um, yeah, just Black Tom being trashed. That the whole bit where like your security system is drunk and it's just like, it's like you see the thing is, and I'm like, yes, excellent. I love that shit. Um, just it's such a great ensemble cast. I also like the little teases of possible futures we saw. Oh yeah, with the net car and the Banffs, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I, I just, my favorite part was uh, <laughs> summoning. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's the right word. Summoning Juggernaut to take care of Skinwalker uh, Banshee. Just dropped it. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Also, Pixie using her soul knife. Yes, all of that, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Pixie. We never got to that part in our read of Academy uh, X Men. Oh God, yeah. They're, they're, they when they do the the Limbo crossover, right? That's when she gets the soul knife. They, she has to do the sacrifice, just like magic and stuff. Oh, so nice. Really, okay. Yeah. But yeah, awesome. Well, that is all the books we had this week. Uh, Josue, have you been reading anything else besides Fables? No, I, I finished it. I fucking I finished it. I feel so good. I feel so much better. Uh, I can actually start reading uh, some quality, some quality super gay books that I got my hands on, and I'm so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Those are the next five books I'm reading. I love that you put. I need to read one of these gay books and you put a poll for the four of them and every comment except one has been like, read the one you didn't put in the poll, you moron. <laughs> like, but it's not the only gay one. This is like how Jen put it. It's the gay j- adjacent one. There's, there's gay. There's uh, a lot of gay in it. I mean, like not the, part- not the main characters. Well, not the main character. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, it's like, but it's Laura Olympus. Read Laura Olympus. It's <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, it is yeah. on my next five that, that I got. Okay. Um, Nice. Uh, anything? Anything you actually? You just haven't gotten to them yet, obviously. No, no. I just I, it was, I, I finished those, and then it was new comic book day, so it's like for my weekend, it'll be a bunch of gay books. Gotcha. I uh, finished Stephen Fry's Mythos. Nice. Uh, very good. I really enjoyed it. He never got to the Trojan War, but I think he has a sequel called Heroes that is going to be more about like the mortals, okay. and less about and less about the gods, which um, I'll probably end up picking up. I'm torn. I want to start Dune. Um, I've never read Dune, but it seems like I need to focus on it if I'm going to. Yeah. And I don't know if I have the mental capacity. Maybe this weekend I might start it. Um, I also have a stack of other books I need to finish. So I'm kind of torn between those. And so, of course, when I'm torn between a bunch of books I need to finish and Dune, I'm just doing Shadow and Bone all over again. Basically. <laughs> I know I'm the worst. I'm the absolute worst. I don't have to pay attention to it as a thing. Okay. So. Like I can just put it on and listen because I'm I'm doing the audiobooks for those, mm-hmm. and I love the actors they chose, so it's a lot of fun. I can just, I can just <laughs> ha ha laugh around to it and stuff. That's so funny because uh, I've literally listened to those audiobooks like seven times each. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I don't think I read anything else. Uh, yeah, I didn't get any graphic novels or anything. So that should be it for the week. It's been an exhausting week for us guys. You don't know why yet, but you will eventually. <laughs> so, um, But those are the issues we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. So you can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. 
You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find this show at WHI Podcast on Twitter. You can find Josue at Josue Reads Josue. And you can find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo. That show is where we make a musical playlist every other week with one of our friends based on a randomized category. And what a randomized category you have in store for you on Monday. <laughs> um, I won't give any too many teases, but let's just say I, th- I thought it was a blast. I had a oh, real so blast fun. doing that with you guys. And uh, it was more of a competition than the other ones, just because like the friendly competition oh, yeah. thing to get each other going. So definitely check that out if you can. The Pride episode will be up at the end of the month for that. So, um, But yeah, and also when Jukebox Vertigo does go up on Monday morning, that evening, you can check out Hostway on Twitch at Hostway Plays Hostway, where he does an actual live uh, listen party mm-hmm. and gives his opinion on each of the songs, plays a few games and everything. Uh, so make sure to check him out again, Hostway Plays Hostway on Twitch. Uh, well, that is it for here. Those are the issues we had this week. As I said, don't forget to bag, board, and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. (laughs) 